Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This week we have Jordan Etheridge back for more. Um, before we start, remember deconstructionnetwork.com, a great place to connect if you're going through deconstruction. Um, there's loads and loads of people. I think it's just hit about 1,600 people all over the world um, on that website looking for other people that are deconstructing, looking for connection. And so um, do check that resource out, deconstructionnetwork.com. And if you want to partner with what I'm doing, everything I do is free. Um, as a thank you for my Patreons, my partners, um, there's a private discussion group. There is a monthly Zoom call. There's some other perks as well. Um, you can find out more by searching my name on Patreon or going to phildrysdale.com slash partners. All right, let's get stuck in to the conversation with Jordan. What up? Hey. <clears throat> oh, that's the top of my head. There he is. I'm like, it's like you're at Bethel, right? There's a boom mic and it's just like... <laughs> Production value. Yeah, it didn't have those sound effects, so that's an extra feature that only comes with the Phil Dreisel show. Um, like it. What's funny about that is that's a completely separate mic. I have a, like, a camera. I have like a camera above that films. That's so actually like proper quality, um, yeah. which just makes everyone else look like they've just put no effort in. No effort. I've you know? done nothing. I like a HD cam and everyone else is like just a webcam on their laptop. <laughs> but uh, it just means that anyone that is watching will be like, what just happened? Like you just made loads of noises, like, <laughs> but nothing happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Only you yeah. will have experienced that moment. Nobody else. I appreciate that. I like yeah. that. And, unless I we actually look around. Up... Hey. Oh, I was going to say, unless we end up like talking about something really private first and then start later, um, then no one oh, yeah. will ever know that moment happened. So uh, you talk about my penis. That's not private enough. That's definitely going in. We just, I, I just recorded a podcast with my brother and his wife. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of annoying because the audio quality is so bad. Like she's loud and he's like really quiet. But we did like talk about masturbations nonstop, me and my brother, like just laughing, but like joking and like talking about like times our dad like walked in on us or things like that. And it's just like, just, it's so funny, but I'm like, we talked about masturbation a lot there. Like it got off the call. It was like, almost like, it was like two and a half hours. And I was like, yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Got to make up for all the the repression that is happening. All exactly. Way. It's an insight into uh, like the teenage household of uh, my upbringing. So Sweet. my poor dad's walking in on us all the time as well. But uh... yeah. <laughs> what did he usually do? Uh, well, like nothing. We did not talk about sex or acknowledge that it existed ever in my house. Right. Like I was joking yeah. with my brother because he, he'd never heard this story, but like I like was going out one day and I was like, probably like 14 or something. And I think it must have been like, he must have cottoned on that. I was like in my room all the time and like, you know, barely coming out for fluids. And that was about it. And I think I'd probably just discovered <laughs> masturbating. Um, and uh, so at some point I was going out and he just like catches me on the way out the back door. He's in the kitchen. He's like, Hey Phil. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you know what sex is, right? And I'm like, uh, uh Yeah. No, this is awkward right no one wants to have this conversation with their parents unless they've been raised probably mm -hmm. in a fairly healthy way and then they probably already had some sort of conversation in a natural more less forced way and he's like okay yeah. good and he's like you know to use a condom right and i'm like yeah and he's like all right i'm like bye and he's like <laughs> bye and that was it that was the entire talk i've ever had with my parents oh, sex. i think maybe he pulled me aside before we got married and had some sort of 
like manly talk or whatever but um but i was like you know 25 or something at that point like you know it's like yeah um but it's fascinating because he was a christian and like believed in no sex before marriage things like that but like he obviously just was like eh man this guy's masturbating in his room i'll just let that slide you know just use a condom (laughs) i don't know i don't know what the deal was there but yeah that's pretty funny that's impressive have you guys ever like talked about stuff like that later on like now no but now i want to now i've i i I was only really reminded of it when i was talking to my brother and i was like that was funny i didn't think about that but yeah that is really funny and like and now i'm like i'd love to like i'd love to like i was was, um so my mom passed away a couple years ago and i was looking at pictures of her yesterday just i i i I was thinking about it because i watched um an episode of midnight gospel have you seen any of the midnight gospel on netflix no dude you should should watch it it's good but the last it's like um it's this really weird show. Um, it's got by a guy called Duncan Trussell. I really like his stuff. Um, he's got his podcasts and he's often on other people's podcasts. Um, and he he's just kind of a bit surrealist. He's very into um, a lot of like um, psychological stuff. He's into psychedelics. He's into a lot of uh, metaphysical, philosophical stuff, very spiritual. Anyway, his show is like this like cartoon where it's like really like totally surrealist. And it's this guy that like um, records like a podcast with like random guests. He travels to other worlds and like interviews people, but he has oh, this wow. like really heavy conversations, but it's actually like really interesting people in the, like the world that he's just chose to interview. And then he k- takes cuts of the interview and turns it into this surrealist show. And then I guess wow. afterwards gets them to record little bits. But the last one, he, he basically got chunks of recordings that he had talking with his mom when his mom was dying of cancer um about you know her giving birth to him and like her coming to terms with death and him coming to terms with her death and and it's just a really beautiful episode it's it's flipping harrowing i like wept my way through it i don't really cry very often wow. um but it just got me thinking i was like man i wish i could go now i feel like i'm more open and i'm just i kind of like i'm just able to be a bit more vulnerable and a bit more real um which my family just were never really massively into that i don't think they would have I don't know. I don't really know, but I wish I could have those kind of conversations with my mom now. Cause I would love mm-hmm. to like, be like, mom, what did you think when I was like growing up as a teenager? And I was like terrified of girls and I was hiding in my room all the time. And like, you know, I just had no social skills. Like, like, what was I like, you know? And like, you know, I just, I yeah. love that dynamic. Like, what were your, what were you scared of when I was growing up or like, or when you first had kids or, but we just didn't really like have those stories. She told us loads of stories of like, what it was like when she was growing up or funny things that happened but like not that kind of deep like that level so I was just thinking about that mm-hmm. anyway I don't know it just got me th- thinking about stuff like that but yeah That's really did, funny. did your family were you a Christian family oh yeah yeah did you guys talk yeah, about like very... sex and stuff like that like no um no not at all it really? was like yeah not not touched on really I'm trying to think I think my, I remember like, so weird, man. I lived in this, this neighborhood that was like on a dead end street and it was woods behind my house. And like me and my friends like found pornography in the woods and stuff. Like that doesn't magazines. sound like the like, beginning of a horror story or anything. Right. I know. Right. But it's like, that happened to me. And I have like, quite a few friends who like, that's their, their first, uh, their first looking at pornography was like, they found some stash in the woods. Crazy, and I had one friend it? who was like convinced that it was the devil, like just planting things in the woods for teenagers to find wow. so that it would destroy their lives. Um, 
That's a, so that's a the- weird dynamic for me anyway, because like for me, like sexuality was always very individual and shameful. And like, you know, I grew up like looking at porn and stuff as a teenager, but it was like hide in your room, like load up like yeah. a picture of some celebrity you liked or whatever. And like, it was very like insidious, hidden, like I'm doing this terrible thing. Like, but to be like, huh, I'm like looking at like porno I found in the woods with my buddies. Like that's a weird dynamic like yeah I, I can't even imagine like how uncomfortable this was be. like this was like before the internet right so it was like right. we didn't we didn't have a computer in our home my dad had a computer at his at his workplace um right. but it was like awkward for you to go it, there though yeah <laughs> and it's like the internet literally didn't all well, the internet existed in some form but it wasn't <laughs> a common household thing right so sure your age man would, yeah i know like, right? people listen to the podcast jordan's 52 um <laughs> i'm older than the internet oh i talk i i was talking to a friend of mine the other day I was like we are fucking old we like the internet didn't exist when we were little kids that's crazy isn't it but p.s yeah. it's my goal it's my goal on this episode to uh to swear more than kevin garcia did but oh nice that's you could do that for sure <laughs> i was just listening uh, to today dude, um but I no it kevin. was Oh yeah, they're so great. Um, I've followed them, I think, mostly because of the episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids that I right. Okay. Um, and I just follow them on Instagram, mm. which is really cool. Um, but I haven't gotten actually all the way through your conversation. I won't but spoil the thing about. Thank you. <laughs> the I thing about. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm so bad at remembering. You were like things. you were delirious with Dude, your. Dude, I felt fever. delirious during that because that was the second one. I filmed the one. I filmed the one with Sarah with um, uh, Science Jesus memes, and then I literally went to sleep for like about forty minutes, got up, and just started filming again with Kevin. And I was oh like, God, I feel dude. so out of it. Um, wow. You know when you're like peak cold, and it's like right at the trough where you're like, I'm gonna get better. Oh, I yeah. bet. I bet by tomorrow I feel a bit better. But like it was like at its very worst. And then it was in the evening, which always feels the worst time of day. Like when you've got a cold, mm-hmm. it was sucked. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say about like about finding pornography in the woods. Yeah, yeah. it's just funny because like when you're with your friends, you're like, ooh, check this out, and like whatever. But it's like it's not like you're all just gonna stand in there and like jerk off together. No, exactly. Right. It's just like ooh, this is this thing, and it was like obviously it was like. I'm trying to get into my head of what it was like. It was like, I knew that it was like, well, I, I knew that it was like bad or, you know, or not okay. Or it was like, I didn't know. Right. It was like this, this. What age are you like, at this time? Probably like six or seven, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's probably to the, like, it's quite unlikely for most of the kids involved here that there's any kind of sexual component to it anyway. Right. I mean, for yeah, the most part. no, totally. Yeah. And then, but I remember one day, actually, I was, looking out my bedroom window and I saw this like paper float across my yard and I was like what is that and I went out and looked at it and it was like a page from a, from a porn magazine <laughs> and I went and took it to my dad and I was like this this I was like here like this was floating through the yard and it was honestly just like a hey like this is this is weird I found yeah, it yeah. here and he, he was so angry wow he was so angry with me and it was just this this thing it was just, I remember being a kid. I was like, oh, it's like, you don't talk about this. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't ever bring this up. This will make my father angry. So then when I did start to like to look at internet pornography, it was like, there was Not no I'm not going to tell my dad about ever. this. <laughs> like, no. Hey dad, yeah. guess what I watched last night? <laughs> like, <laughs> not going to happen. Wow. That's yeah, intense. So it, 
it was intense. I remember I was very little. I remember it's it's crazy the little memories that you have, right? That like yeah. are so strong and just stick out in your in your brain as like these significant moments. Yeah. But I remember and then later on I think I was older. I don't know if I was a teenager, but like the the one conversation that I can recall my father having with me, he was like just started randomly telling me this story about when he was young and he would find pornographic magazines in his friend's house or whatever and then talk about masturbation and it's funny because like I didn't know what masturbation was because nobody ever told me right and I didn't I knew the word was like something to do with sex but I didn't know and so I that was the crazy thing is that I never did it Phil Mm. and I think I think this is because (laughs) I don't know if this is true or not but when I was younger I remember I would like scratch my my nether regions if i was itchy or if it was hot and sweaty and i, re- I distinctly remember my father telling me don't touch yourself like mm. don't don't even touch that area um and i was like why like what's the problem like i'm not doing anything but it was like this this thing was like don't even there's no hint of anything so um i remember we were like i was playing 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 baseball with my friends and i was like really hot and sweaty so i was like pulling at my drawers and like trying to get things comfortable and and I, I said to my dad I think I said to my dad one time after that because I was like playing with my friends and it was like no big deal and then he was like he said they told me not to do that when he saw me doing it's like but my friends you know everybody does it like I wasn't trying to say like it's okay because everybody does it but right. I was like it's it feels like it's a normal thing like I think it's I was like trying to probing say probing for like could you give me some more information as to why this is wrong <laughs> Yeah, but I think it was just like, no, you like don't do things just because your friends do them. Anyway, I'm trying not to paint my father as this terrible person because he's not. He just had his hangups, right? And I right, well, we all do, right? Big, yeah, big time, yeah, big hang up for him. Um, but then he had this conversation with me where he was talking about masturbation. I was like, ah, uh, okay, sure. And the crazy thing is, Phil, I don't know if I told you this before, I didn't masturbate until I was like 23. Whoa. Dude, that's that's like in, in like Christian circles, you're like up for sainthood. I know, <laughs> like, and I was so arrogant about it about <laughs> the fact that I would talk to. Him. I'm not kidding. I would like I all would the like youth groups to like get pulled to the sides, all the boys, and it's like ah, uh, like who screwed up this weekend? Jordan's like waltzing in, not me. Like got like a banner above your head, you know? Like I never. It's so true, though. Like that's I literally hilarious. would like my and my friends. We were like, what? I'm like, I've never done it. And the crazy wow. thing was, it's like, I was, I was looking at internet pornography, but because I never even knew what masturbation was or had anyone explained it to me, um, I never did it. So wow. I, I never, t- I literally never touched myself. I don't know if it was like the fear <laughs> of touching me. myself, uh, but it's funny because you have, like, I have two sons now and my three-year-old, he's like, he walks around with his penis in his hand, you know, he doesn't want to wear clothes and he's constantly touching himself. And we just let him do it because it's like it's the most natural part of human development. You just like discover who you are in that sense, you know. It's it's a deeply um, comforting thing, right? I mean, I yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe you don't recognize this as much because maybe it was such a taboo. But like, I remember as a kid just constantly just being like, I'm just sitting here, just like sitting watching TV or something. I'm gonna put my hand in my trousers and like just grab my like balls or something and it's like it's warm it just feels like just like it's like giving yourself a hug or i don't know i don't really know like but no it just feels you're right right 
Um, and yeah, occasionally your mum would be like, get your hands out your pants, what are you, like, yeah. you know, whatever. But like, um, and I get it. I wouldn't have done that like um, at school at, you know, my grandma's house or something. Maybe I would have done it at the grandma's house. I don't know. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it feels very, it's a natural thing. You, you can tell it's natural because so many young kids just do that. And there isn't a right. sexual component to it at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, again, I know that like that's not always the case and this can be extenuating circumstances where things are sexualized at early ages but um it's really fascinating it, it yeah it just it's really fascinating how different people are brought up in christian culture but like it does feel like a lot of people our age like were brought up with a very hyper um it's, it's a weird hypervigilance where it's almost like we're doing everything we can to avoid even talking about it not just like mm-hmm avoiding the action but like we're not even talking about why we don't do this um maybe outside of once you got into youth group then we non-stop talked about it but certainly in like a parenting like i i know like um i had a conversation with um dr tina Shermer sellers i i think you get you you're familiar with her are you no she's she's a sexologist she's based out in seattle i think um and i think on instagram she's like dr tina shameless sex and she's awesome okay um and she does a lot of work with people in purity culture and different things like that but she found like basically she was doing work as a sexologist she's teaching in in um in college um and she was finding like basically there was almost like this switch in her therapy where suddenly out of nowhere loads of couples were coming to her married that just had tons of shame and hang-ups about sex and she was like oh i see this on and off in my work but suddenly everyone has it and she was like, what mm-hmm. is this? And so she kind of like backwards traced like their age. And it was like around the age of like the whole um, purity movement, Joshua Harris, all this stuff boomed around the time that they were teenagers. So they were like the first wave of <clears throat> oh, yeah. through his teaching. And she was like, you can literally like draw a line in the the calendar and say after this date christians will be fucked up as far as their sexuality and she's like and the line is like that movement she's like once that movement kicks off you immediately can track people having screwed up sexualities um but the parents just didn't go there on the most part i know some people's parents like did talk with them but the Mm -hmm. point the reason i bring her up is she was saying that the number one marker they've done studies on how kids relate to their parents long-term. So when they're non, no longer like children and she says Mm -hmm. the number one marker for if children will be close friends with their parents after and during living at home as a teenager and a child, but after as well, the number one marker is did their parents talk openly about sex? That's the number one thing you can do to ensure that you have um, a healthy relationship long-term um obviously there'll be exceptions to that and you know and lots of people that don't have that will have healthy relationships with their parents as well um but i thought gosh that's so interesting because that just was not in my family like at all yeah um my family got awkward when people like kissed on tv like it was we just it was an awkward family for stuff like sex (laughs) can i say oh can i say this and it's like this is please please understand everybody listening i love my father (laughs) I love him dearly, and that anything that I say about him is not—I um, don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be hearing his dirty laundry. Because I, I gotta say this one thing: I remember we were like driving by, and it's—it's it's more again, it's more a symptom of what he was a part of in the culture that he was sure. in than anything else. You know, it doesn't reflect poorly on him, in my opinion. 
Um, um, and I'm a fucking idiot anyway. So, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, but this, this, uh, oh, what were we, we, we drove past this billboard and I remember this again, it's one of those things that sticks out so clearly in my brain. And, uh, it was a, a billboard for underwear, like men, men's underwear. And it was like, it said tested in the sweatiest place on earth, the crotch. And that was their like tagline. Amazing. And it, and Good I remember my father seeing it and he was like so disgusted that it, it was like he wow. was so disgusted and then it was like it should not be a uh something something on a billboard you know mm. it's like fucking underwear like yeah you know and that's, that's yeah but again it's a testament to to what he was a part of and i think that generation i think there was a lot of hang-ups in that sense and yeah again i i'm learning lots about generational trauma and i I think I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember what we talked about before and not try to like retread the same things. But uh, it's all good. There'll be a bit of overlap and a, a bit of evolution. Yeah. yeah. So I look at like my my father and like you know his dad died when he was 10 years old. So wow. He didn't have a lot of that what he needed as a child. And yeah. so you know when he was growing up, he and becoming a young father, he owned a business. Uh, he was like an entrepreneur when I was born and when I was young. And he, I was under immense amounts of stress. And so mm. he didn't know how to deal with his emotions and anger was something that would fly out of him uh, because he didn't know how to deal with it in a healthy way. Um, but he wasn't given the tools. And so that deeply affected me. And now I look at my life and like, I'm an entrepreneur and I have two small children and I am stressed out, man. Mm. And it is hard to handle my emotions. Because I wasn't taught either, really, how to do it in a prop in a right. healthy way. So I'm like, well, that's the like, nature of this, right? I mean, it just it goes from generation to generation, right. like breaking those cycles when no one steps in and goes, "Oh, here, let me teach you, let me give you the tools, mm-hmm. so that you can then teach the next generation." Like that doesn't necessarily happen for a lot of people without serious intentionality to really recognize something in you, work on it, like change, like. Or having someone invade your life, you know, maybe you get married to like the right person to, but like a lot of people just keep perpetuating these cycles. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's like you can't remotely blame your dad for no. not having the full capacity to be whatever you might have needed when he had no one that he needed from 10 years on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, exactly. I mean, I, I'm sure he like had other people in his life, but you know, in that capacity this, as a father or like, yeah. It's, right. It's, it's wild really wild. yeah so then he found his meaning and purpose within the church and mm. that was a source of like life and strength for him and so that's where i went as well to find when i wasn't when i wasn't receiving what i needed like well i'll receive it from this place mm. and again it's like i think we talked about before it's a good place to find some purpose and meaning when you have no other no yeah. other way and it comes with like there's a lot of belonging and and relationship and all that stuff that you a human being needs and if you're not getting it in your family from the people you're really supposed to get it from it's not a bad alternative you know yeah and a lot but of the time like, the church can help people break out some of these cycles and <clears> help <throat> them grow and you know give them tools to become more connected a lot of the time not always and sometimes it just doesn't mm-hmm. at all but but you know it, it can be an amazing place for people to grow and yeah no totally and i think i think the churches that that do that well are the ones that are more i don't know it's so hard to to 
delineate between different types of churches because like I want to just the whole of evangelical Christianity I think should just burn I really do at least the north at least the North American version right (laughs) but you know you look at like African Americans as when they were slaves and they had this deep spirituality you know and they Mm. they understood what it was to know God and to know Jesus in a Christian context that actually meant something for them as a hope that they would get beyond this this you know and it's like that doesn't look like it's not the same religion in my opinion you know but they talk about the same person the same jesus that you worship but it's like to me it's it's night and day um yeah so that's something that joe has been talking about on her instagram lately talking about how like you know you can you can um separate yourself from toxic christianity but you can't just write off the whole of it because it is for a lot of people a really, really good and helpful thing and has been, yeah. uh, especially for minorities, you know? And so to just whitewash it and say, oh, it's all bad. Um, it's just mm-hmm. not, again, it's, it's another form of, she says it's another form of abuse to just, uh, you know, say this you whole thing is that. garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, since we talked last time, I was like pretty angry and I'm trying to find myself in a place of, of being more understanding, um, but also at the same. How's time, that working out? Like, it's you so hard. Been a couple of months or whatever. What did we talk? Okay, like, three months so ago. Was, four months ago. It, it was like in April, I think, and it's oh, September, wow. which feels yeah, like five months. Geez, that feels like not long ago. It but feels that's a long it time. It feels like not long ago, but it feels like eons ago. Dude, that's a pandemic. So, has, so that's like so much has happened. It was yeah. great. I think it had just started when we yep. were talking, and you had just been sick. Oh, that's right. I um, just got better. after you yeah. were sick. Yeah. <clears throat> but then... The theme well, for my podcast is Phil is dying and trying to talk to people. <laughs> that's what we should be called. The Phil is dying show. Watch um, Phil die in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> that's so oh, funny. man. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a long time, then, though. April's... I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's... COVID days are, like, longer. And, like everything's longer right i mean five months in during a pandemic is like fuck that's like three years like it just feels like yeah. it. but it also feels like 10 minutes it's, like, it's weird like which mm-hmm. was it but like there's been t- i don't know about you actually i don't know how you've kind of navigated it all business owner and stuff like that like there's all sorts of new stresses and strains and stuff but for me i feel like in talking to people most people i've talked to seem to have had way too much time to think and way too much time to get introspective. Now I say way too much, that might be really good stuff uh, and good things, but it feels like everything's slowed down. Everyone's at home a bit more. They're spending more time with their family. They're spending more time reflecting on what they do, why they do it, things like that. Like, so there's like that time seems to have stretched in the amount of change that can happen in people in that sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a usual five months when people are like, working nonstop they're busy running around they're running errands all the time like they're barely you maybe seen a friend here or there like they, they're not stopping and slowing down and doing work uh internally yeah. a lot um mm-hmm. what what have you been up to for like five months apart from Dude. working on your anger including working on your anger just being angry actually just punching <laughs> walls over and over and over again dude i bought a punching bag and yes. i hung it up in my basement i literally i go to town on that thing really um and it's good. It's actually a good, it's a good workout. So I'm incorporating mm. it into like working out, but it's also like when I feel like really angry, I just go and beat the shit out of that thing. And I feel yeah. so much better. 
do you know what you're doing? Like, have you like ever had any training in like boxing no. or martial arts? No, or you I've just looked at go some down videos there and just kick and, the crap out of it. Yeah, I've looked at some videos and stuff, but it's all just like super, just the basics of yeah. understanding. Stand a certain way and then swing. Yeah, cross jab, hook, uppercut. But it's I used to play like fighting games too when I was a kid. So you would okay. have all those moves. Same sort of thing, smashing A and B and, you know. Yes, exactly. Mortal Kombat. Finish him. You didn't, like, rip the spine out of your your punch back. I remember we weren't allowed to play that game because of that one, like, there was, like, so many things in that game. But that was the one thing was, like, there was a finishing move where someone, like, ripped a spine out of someone and we Mm -hmm. just weren't allowed to play it. I think we weren't one person's one kid in, like, the whole school like or our year, like, had that game. We'd always go around to his house to play that. But uh, yeah. okay, so lots of lots of um, therapeutic exercise then. Yeah, well, so for me, I'm an, I am one of the people who I would say has had zero time because mm. for me, I I operate an ice cream shop, which you know, and um, summertime is our busiest time of the year. Right. And so when we shut down, it was like March fifteenth, and we shut down for like a week, and then okay, like what are we gonna do? And we decided to offer like deliveries curbside pickup of our pints of ice cream and we just shifted our whole operating operation because we didn't do this at all and changed the way that we did everything to be able to do that and it's like i'm delivering ice cream and driving around the city which is so weird never thought i would do that um but it kept us afloat for a little bit and then i think it was june 9th no it wasn't june 9th anyway first week of june ish where our government said, okay, restaurants can be open again at half capacity. Mm. Um, so they were like kind of doing the stages of reopening and stuff. And so I said, okay, we'll start letting people into the shop at that date. So then it seems to make sense. And we'll let in like one group sure. at a time because it's super small. There's not a lot of space inside. So we'd have to make sure people line up outside and all that stuff. So it was getting, it was summer, it was starting to get warm. And so actually like the week before that happened, people just stopped buying pints of ice cream pretty much. It was just like, it not a hundred percent stopped, but it went from like, you know, selling, you know, a decent amount to like 10% Nothing. of that in wow. the last week. So I was like, okay, people are ready for this. And people were messaging us being like, when are you going to open? We want to get ice cream mm. in a, you know, in a cone or, and so we said, yeah, we're, so we plan to do that. And we did that. And it was like, it was like back to normal for us. Mm. The only thing like, well, obviously we are like, cleaning and sanitizing everything but like people one person or group would come in at a time and they would leave and there would be a lineup out our store all day and you know people were really good about being patient and waiting and things are different um but we run that way the whole summer and like july was our busiest month ever wow uh you know in the in, the in some ways right having a big open. queue outside your shop that's good for business right on some it level is, yeah. like people are like whoa um, and I actually like it a lot better because we would used to have the queue inside because everyone would just pile it and it'd be a huge lineup and there'd be like 20, 20 to 30, maybe not 30, 20, 25 people in the store and it's loud. Wow. Everybody's talking. It's a small space. And we're just like, you know, it creates a bit of a. Everyone's trying to squeeze past with their cone, not getting it yeah, over someone else. And... Yeah. It's like a, a bit more of a stressful vibe. So now we're just having one group come in and it's like, Oh, this is nice. Hello. You know, how are you? And we serve them and then they leave and then the next person comes in and it's, kind of actually been nice for us mm. um but we still like again it was like our busiest month july was our busiest month and then august was our second busiest month wow um and things are starting to slow down because it's fall and back to school and it's getting cooler sure. 
but so I have been really busy all summer. I say all that to like, my life has not changed one iota wow. in, in those terms, at least. That's great. So, I mean, that is a good thing. Yeah. I'm super thankful. Cause we do, I mean like 80% of our sales are in the summer months, like from May wow. to August, like that's our year. And like things slow down a lot for us through the winter. Dang. And we kind of have to like, that could have really hurt. Then, hold yeah. on. Yeah. Right. So I was, I was definitely quite nervous about that when things first started happening, <clears throat> but so I've been like really busy. Um, I haven't had time to read or do the, some of the, you know, the processing yeah. and some of the things that I would like to do in the midst of a pandemic and the protests that are happening in the States with um, the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. And um, man, what else? It seems like there's so many things happening this summer, but it's I crazy. found, yeah, I found myself, especially with the Black Lives Matter protests, I was just super angry and I was super angry with the response to the church, you know, the evangelical mm-hmm. church generally, um, uh, that they were just not on board, you know, and then yeah. seeing how many, how many people that I used to admire and would say things that were like saying, calling them terrorists and saying, you know, and just following the Republican party line yeah. essentially. And so, that stuff is so frustrating. So I'm like posting things on Instagram and reposting things and, and reading things all the time. And I'm just find myself getting angrier and angrier and then mm. not having the time to deal with that stuff um, to actually process it in a healthy way. Cause I don't think there's anything wrong with being angry. Um, I used to really think that growing up because my dad was angry and I was sure. terrified of that. So, um, but like I have no issues with anger anymore. I think anger is a very good tool that gets missed. Uh, it gets a bad rap, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's especially, there to teach you something, Christianity. right? Especially in Christianity, right. I think sometimes it's really good to just flip over some tables and, you know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, so I, 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 was, I would say, like, this summer, the last five months, have been really, really hard for me. And mm. having two small kids and running a business and just, like, having zero time for myself has really put a strain on me. And, you know, I was, a, there were been a few times this summer where I was like, I don't want to live anymore. And wow. just honestly being at that place where I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to kill myself, but the thoughts come through my head, especially when you're in a vulnerable place. Um, those thoughts and which, you know, in the past I would have attributed to the devil, you know, as I, mm-hmm. as I, as I was taught to do. Um, but I don't believe in the devil anymore. So <laughs> I was like, my my whole being was in such a state of stress my body was constantly um in um you know like fight or flight mode my nervous system was just taxed and and i just wasn't able to really do anything about it so i'm just like trying to carry on and finding moments of reprieve when i can but um yeah it's been it's been really really tough so, and even to up until yesterday, I did, um, I, I told you about this um, uh, healing energy person that I go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went again yesterday, laid on the table, and I was like, you know, just kind of shared what was going on. And then she just like puts her hand on my arm and just looks, and just sits there for a while. And it's like the, you know, it's so funny because it's like, to use a phrase, she literally like just read my mail <laughs> and tell, and says these like, these are things that are happening in your life this is how you're feeling and I'm just like break down crying and I'm like yes I can't I can't I feel like I just can't live I can't get over these things I can't find healing I can't 
mm. get to this place where I want to be. I just feel like I just really suck at life. Um, to be honest, I just am just, and she's like, you're just overworked and overwhelmed. And for me, I'm just like, I feel like I, sh I feel like, and this is something that comes from my conditioning, I think within the church, like to do with like perfectionism and, and, and sacrifices. Like, I feel like I should be able to do all these things and, and be happy and healthy. But I'm like, she's like running a business and having kids your age um, and being in a pandemic and, and these things, like they're all taking up a significant portion of your brain and you cannot do all these things. You, you need help. You, you need to, you need to do things for yourself. And the hardest thing for me is that I feel really selfish when I try to do things for myself. Mm. And I think that is just a huge part of like the conditioning that I have received is where I feel like I, I've been told like, you know, lay down your life for others, you know, no greater love has a friend or you to lay down your life for a friend. And, you know, the whole Philippines two thing, you know, consider, you know, be like Jesus who mm. didn't consider himself and being God, you know, became a man and, and um, humbled himself even at death on the cross. It was like, as a child, learning all those things and feeling like I needed to do these things in order to be a good person or a good Christian, I, I just didn't learn how to take care of myself, I think is the, is the, is the, is the thing. And I know lots of people don't know how to take care of themselves. Um, and I, I'm an Enneagram 9, so I avoid conflict like the plague, and I, I, I won't stand up for myself. But one thing that I have been doing is like learning to stand up for myself uh, these days. And it's gotten me into a few fights and arguments with people, which normally I would shy away from. But as I've stood my ground, I'm like, oh, I've realized like, oh, this, this conflict thing is kind of scary and not fun, but it's also kind of liberating to a certain degree. Mm. Like I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I'm just like, no, I believe strongly about this. And, you know, in this instance, I think you're wrong. And so I'm not going to back down and, you know, it's caused some tension in relationships, but, you know, I think as an, as adults, if we are, if we're mature about it, we can still talk to each other and say, Hey, let's not get offended and have a conversation. And yeah, we yeah. can get emotional and get riled up, but you know, at the end of the day, if we care about each other, we can still, you know, talk it out and figure it out. Um, so that's something I'm working through as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I just really, really, it's so weird. Cause I, I, I don't, I, again, I don't know how to take care of myself and I push myself to the side. I'm like, I have, I have my wife, I have my kids, like I do everything for them. And, but it has caused a severe, uh, it's been a detriment to myself and my mm. own mental, mental health and physical well being. And it's like, when I'm down, it's like, well, I'm just going to, eat ice cream and eat pizza because it does give me that that jolt of like feeling good um but i do that too much and i'd feel terrible and uh you know it's just overall those things are, are not a healthy way of coping um and then oh yeah and the other thing too is like being you know deconstructing and stop going to church like normally those would be the things that would be the the the, the coping mechanisms that I'd be like, sure, this, right. this will help Lost me get through this time exactly and the idea for me, even of a personal God, is really hard right now. Uh, and I, I don't, it's not that I don't, it's so hard, man. Cause I'm like, I know you, you were talking, I think it was with Keith Giles, maybe. Um, I just listen to your podcast all the time. <laughs> Someone, um, you're the, you're the listener. <laughs> it's me. 
Um, but I was just considering your oh shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, you're talking about losing your personal gods, but then you were not really sure how you were going to. Oh, work you were that talking about like people. Maybe I forget who it was, but you're talking about how people, Christians. Oh no, it was with Kevin because you're talking about having a deep, charismatic, experience-based belief. You kind of skip the agnostic atheist part when you're mm. going through deconstruction, and that's totally true of me. Sure. It's like I've never, for once, believed that there is no God or no art. You know, I've always thought, okay, there is something. I don't know yeah. what it, I don't know what it is. Certainly, the the atheist part. Maybe not so much agnostic, where you're like, oh, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it's certainly like that capacity to go. No, there's a hundred percent. There's nothing. It's really hard to let go of for a lot of people. Uh, with that yeah. background it seems totally and i was like i just i know that there's something so real and tangible because i have experienced it in different mm-hmm. ways um and even even in my session yesterday i was laying on the table and she was like she's like god is pursuing you and i was like and she's not <laughs> it's so funny because like she used to be a christian and then she's not i don't know if she would call herself with at this point um like it matters but she's just like I know it sounds so weird coming from from where you come from, but it's like this is the feeling that I get is like you're the one who is like stopping yourself from connecting with the divine or source or whatever, and you need to you know you need to let yourself um, mm, wow. experience that. And I and it's it's true. I was like, some book, I just feel like I can't. I I feel like I can't pray in the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. I can't. I, I just can't talk to God in that way. Um, and I feel like this thing that I'm going through, my my instinct is to, it's like, I just want to ask for help. I want someone to save me. I want a savior. I want to pray and have Jesus make me feel better. But like, that is the thing that I've always done my whole life. And it has never helped me to actually be my own person and have my own strength and confidence. It's always, sure. it's always been on, in something else, something other than myself. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm just being stubborn, uh, but I'm just like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, mm. I just can't right now. I can't be like, God, save me. Um, and I can't just go to church and be like, please pray for me and help me. I just, and I don't yeah. have an, I don't, I don't have a reason for that. I don't know. I just feel like I need to be my own person. Do I you guess. feel you I could to, do that? Like on, like, oh, so you can't do it, but do you feel like you could just switch back in and go, yeah, if I went to church and just really kind of engaged with that and was like, yeah, God, you're going to save me. You think you could kind of like almost switch off the, the questions, the to doubts like, or whatever, and, and allow yourself to kind of like re-immerse and feel that peace or. I don't know. I don't know if I could switch that off. I, I mean, I would have to like completely shut off a whole part of where I'm at and it's like I get you know I can't listen to worship music I get triggered by that stuff it's just so I don't know how that would work and now much more so when I listen to like sermons sometimes because I still do I'm like ah that's bullshit I'm like (laughs) I'm not I don't agree with that at all and but I would never ever think critically in those ways I would always think yeah this is awesome you know um but I've had you know I have those thoughts when I'm like really struggling uh I, I have those thoughts like maybe I could just go back and but i don't know man i don't know if i could shut that off um but i could person i think personally i could be in a place where i'm like talking to god and saying like okay just save me i'm you know i surrender to you or whatever (laughs) but it's like this is actually in my opinion surrender i'm like i'm in a place where i'm like i'm not i'm not going i'm not 
continuing in the way that I used to and I'm letting go of all those things and surrendering to the unknown, which is really fucking scary. Yeah, it's huge. And it's, it's like, I'm just willing to say like, I don't know on so many levels. I don't know. And I want to be okay with it. Mm. Um, so yeah, all this is like, it's just turbulent. <laughs> it's, and it's really yeah. hard. Um, I hear you. But let me tell you, let me tell you this. I was going to start by saying this because I thought it was really funny. Um, but I am home alone right now for the That's first right. time. You were saying for like the weekend, you've got the weekend off, right? My wife, I love, I love my family. I love my wife. <laughs> it's always just a precursor to anyone having time off. They're like, look, now I need to convince you that I love my family. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely love them. But it was like knowing that they were going, my, my wife is going to be with her family for four days. It's like, I have been so excited about this weekend and doing whatever I want. That's I have to so go to work funny. a little bit, but I'm just like, I can do whatever I want. I can just watch some shows that I want to watch. I can watch like yes. basketballs on right now, the playoffs. And I'm like, I'm so into that. And I'm just like, I'm just jacked, man. I can't, I'm like, so I'm so happy. And it's like, I'm, I think it's really actually important to, for me to recognize and be like, okay, it's like, I don't, in this moment, at least I don't feel selfish. Mm, I don't feel like that's beautiful. Normally. Yeah. Cause normally it'd be like, some sort ah, of you shouldn't, or, you shouldn't yeah. feel good about this, you know? Mm-hmm. But knowing that I can like just rest, I had a nap just before you called. I'm like, Amazing. it's two in the afternoon. I'm having a nap. I have an hour. <laughs> I'm going to have a nap before I talk to Phil. And then I'm going to play basketball later on when I'm done. I'm just like. You're living the dream. I know. Just, but it's like, it's so simple. And it's, you know, my wife and I have been talking about the, the messages that we received specifically around like sex and pleasure and it's like being this thing that is like it's wrong like it's selfish and mm. um unless it's in like very specific guidelines you know to use the old thing it's like oh it's the fire you don't want to mess with the fire because it'll burn you you know um but like we've just been having these conversations and like man we just really need to let go of the like de deprogram ourselves from these these lies that we believe yeah. about how you know how dangerous our natural desires are like sex and i mean sex being the, the biggest thing um but like yeah even just the idea of selfishness i just that's the thing for me where i've just been like my whole life that things like you have to be selfless you have to be selfless and i can think back at instances in my life where i was like i really want to do this for myself but i feel, would feel really guilty you know i would still do it but i would feel guilty yeah. Kind of like that that thing of like being able to do something without any guilt um it, it's just like it's it's a struggle but i think that's that's freedom yeah. really in a sense yeah. i get that so, i mean i get that big time my wife so Tilly's like she's introverted like me but her introversion and charging comes from being with one person that she loves and is like really so she's like mm. introverted but with like a seatbelt you know not full introversion like i'm like I just worked on my own for 10 hours straight. I'll spend a couple hours with Till. And then I'm like, I could spend a couple more hours on my own reading or something. You know, I'm immediately like, how can I be alone again? Like, my default is just, yeah. oh, you knew me. Like, you, you hung out with me loads. That's amazing. Like, you know, like, I like to be alone. That's a big part of my charging. And I love being with people, but I love to be alone. But for Till, like, she doesn't like really being on her own. And she's like working on that, trying to figure out like, you know, how much of that is some unhealthy stuff that she wants to work through. But a lot of mm -hmm. it is just personality, right? Um, and yeah. so she's like, 
so then this, it comes to the times where like you know we're both not working we've we finished work or whatever it's the weekends but i'm like man we just hung out with some friends and i'm i'm done like i need to like just go read or watch something or just do something on my own completely like in a separate room um and until so good at like you, she recognizes it before i do and she's like phil you need to be on your own for like just a couple hours go recharge and then we can come back and do something fun or whatever um mm-hmm. but i find it so hard to enjoy myself and actually just like guilt-free just go i've got a couple hours what am i going to do shall i read shall i watch tv shall i play a video game like what shall i do i really struggle whatever i pick i feel like really hard it's hard for me to engage with it because there's something in the back of my head saying even though till sent me to do this and says hey you need some time on your own go have it there's something in the back of my head that says till doesn't like being on her own as much as she likes being with me i bet you she's upset or resenting me or whatever like she's not right or or Mm -hmm. maybe she is but like either way i don't know i'm just creating this narrative in my head that's stopping me from getting the thing i need right now so that even after right. a couple hours, I go back and I'm still exhausted because I've been living in my head so much. But mm-hmm. there's this lack of being able to go, hey, it's okay. Even, even if Till wasn't having as good a two hours, I need to charge once in a while. I need to have some time. I yeah. need to do what I need to do to take care of myself, even if it's having a nap or something. Um, and I, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's a family thing, a society thing, a church thing, maybe a mix of all of that. Um, yeah. But, but I, I, man, I get you. I get you big time. Like, I, I feel really guilty about stuff. Or even like um, that week where I was really ill and I did the podcast with Kevin and Christina and I did a mm-hmm. podcast with a bunch of people. I'd been away for a week with Till's family and she yeah. was going away for two weeks and I was coming back for another week and I was going to like just slam work straight for a week. But on one, one slight element, I was also like, sweet, a week and a half of my own. I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to get loads of work done. But also when I'm not doing work, I'm going to watch shows that she doesn't really want to watch with me and I never get mm-hmm. back to watching. Or I'm going to, you know, whatever. I just don't care. Like I'm going to just sit around and do nothing in those few hours of like, you know, when I'm not working. And then I got sick. And I was just so miffed. Oh. I was like, dang it. I barely. And so, but after, after working, I was just like dying. God was punishing you, Phil. But even having that week, like, that's it. I'm like, at the whole time, I'm like, uh, I shouldn't be enjoying myself. I should feel bad. Like, that, I shouldn't like being away from my wife. And it's not that I, it's being away from my wife I enjoy. It's that there's other things I enjoy doing that I don't always get to do. Like, right, you, mm-hmm. you've got kids, you know, you probably don't get to do certain things. And then when, you know, the kids go to be with the grandparents, you know, you and your wife get to really have a great time that it's not because you hate being with the kids or you prefer not being yeah. with kids. Oh, it's just we get to do some other things, you know, sex. We're right. always talking about sex, lots and lots of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but yes, it's a weird component that feeling like able to feel free to enjoy things yourself, to spend money on yourself, to appreciate your own time, your own hobbies, like whatever it is, when you have other things that are obviously more important, much more mm-hmm. important than myself. Um, right. That's a weird component. Do, do you think that is a religious thing that's been in you? Or is that like, do can you see that being other things? I think it is for me. Because um, that's the, I mean, the message of Jesus, you know, take up your cross and follow me, you know, deny yeah. yourself, you know, and Paul, especially talking about denying the, the pleasures of the flesh. And um, I just think, I think that for me, like, because I would like, Man, that looks really good. I just have water. What are you drinking? 
there's like some squash or what well, we call it squash in america uh, in the UK. um it's like cordial it's like orange and mango and you put like this much in and you fill it with water and it tastes nice okay. it's basically cancer in a bottle though probably right yeah. i mean so, i'm God, just kidding God this, is, what's in this is this is gin i'm just kidding. yeah i was gonna say that looks like gin um <laughs> It's actually an old tequila bottle that I wife and kids away converted straight on the gin. Yeah, jump on Zoom with Phil and just drink a liter of gin. That sounds like a deadly combo. We should actually like record a conversation where we're just drinking the whole time. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Next one. Okay, remind me next one, and I'll get a bottle of whiskey up here, and uh, we can see where it goes. It just ends up being like a ten-hour podcast, so we're just like making no sense at all. Yeah. oh man what were we talking about i have, I have no, no idea. idea yeah we were oh, saying like the church and like take up the it, cross it, deny yourself yeah and all that. i think it's like i don't know man i i memorized the bible when i was a kid i read wow. so much of the bible and i would see these things and like i would ingest them and it would become a part of who i was and so these ideas became the framework for how i built my life mm-hmm. and i think especially as someone who um didn't get the message as a child that they were loved and and uh worthwhile and um safe you know i didn't get those things from my from my parents unfortunately so having and then going into this and like well this is how i feel safe this is how i find my worth because i feel like i have no worth you know I, that's how i can articulate it now as a child mm. like, i felt worthless because I wasn't loved and cared for in the way that I felt like I needed. Um, but, but, uh, so that, so now it's like, Oh, this is how I find my worth in the, in this, in this way of being and doing these things. So I created my whole identity around that. Um, and it was a very individual pursuit. Like I, it's, it, it's funny because, you know, having, having grown up in this whole world of, evangelical christianity with a charismatic bent as like i don't feel like i was nothing was like overtly said to me Mm -hmm. not nothing but very little was overtly said and it was so much was just assimilated by the culture and by certain the way that scripture is read and interpreted and applied um and so it became just this thing like for me it was my it was it was my journey you know, it was, mm. it was me choosing to do this and me seeing friends walk away as a teenager and a young adult and be like, no, I'm committed to this. This is, this is my life. This is real for me. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to let go of this. It's too real. It's too, it's too much. And, you know, I never thought that I could ever leave that world. Um, but I look back and I think I've always had this this open mind and this curiosity and this desire to to learn and to discover more and um uh that that's what has like led me to where i am today you know Mm. it's like i think i am who i am personally i don't think because of the church and the church culture but i honestly think in spite of it you know i think there are elements of my life that uh i have been obviously influenced by that whole world you can't escape that um but it's not like i don't think that it's like the the main part of who i am i think i I do have an independence that i've always tried to figure things out and learn and grow but it was so hard to detach from that if that makes sense yeah for for my whole life and now that i've detached from it i've realized how much of it like did actually 
like serve as like a crutch, you know, or a coping mechanism or, mm. or a way to deal with the pain of life. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, like I, I think was, like, it's, it's fascinating to me, like how many unconscious crutches and coping mechanisms we have in place through our faith that when that faith strips away, I think we don't really fully acknowledge um, or recognize most of us. I think it takes time for us to come to that to terms with it, that when we're losing our faith, we're not just losing the community. We're not just losing, you know, our friends or family. We're not even just losing gods. Oftentimes we're, we're losing the things that keep us psychologically stable, right? Mm -hmm. We're losing some of those like mechanisms that have kept us kind of like, duct tapes together for most of our life especially because often the church can be a very um, helpful mechanism of change and growth it can do but a lot of the time some of those things like you're talking about like it's almost avoiding growth and and change and going oh well i'm just placing that on jesus jesus has taken it so i don't actually have to work through that issue or deal with it or whatever um and so at times like we've got all these kind of things that we are we have kind of like just duct taped together and gone, yeah, it's fine. Jesus is holding that together. So I don't need to worry about that. And then like 20 years later, we take Jesus out of the equation and it's like, holy shit, there's a lot of stuff held together by duct tape here and 20 year old duct tape still holding together, but it's not looking hot. Um, yeah. you know, I don't put anything on top of that. Um, and so I think that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought much about that before, but like how, um, potentially psychologically fragile. I'm not calling you psychologically fragile, but or maybe oh, I, I am. But uh, aren't we all like right? But but I don't think we recognize how much of how fragile we may be because of um, maybe some of our faith was just sitting in place, kind of either covering up something or holding it together mm-hmm. temporarily. We didn't think it was temporary. We thought it was forever. Um, but if we'd thought, oh, gosh, I might have to deal with this in 20 years, we'd probably have gone, well, maybe I should start cracking on this now then, uh, rather yeah. than just like ignore it for 20 years. Um, it's, it's fascinating. But, but like the culture that we grew up in, at least even with our parents, the idea of like not talking about sex is like, you just don't talk about things. It's like, if I, I can just avoid this and maybe it'll go away. I don't think that thought necessarily was in my head, but like the modus operandi of how I live my life was just like, I'll just avoid these things because I don't yeah. know how to deal with them. And it, I don't know if it was a conscious thing. It was just like, well, I'll just keep going. I do remember specifically times where I was like feeling this turmoil emotionally, you know, whether it was like I felt really depressed or anxious or suicidal. And it was like, well, I know that I can trust God and I'm just going to trust God and keep living and just keep going. And that was yeah. what I did so many times. It's like, I'm just going to keep going because I don't have an answer and I've prayed and I don't know what else to do. And, you know, eventually that feeling would, would dissipate, you know, and I would sure. be able to get on with my life. But the, the, the depth of what was going on inside of me was, was uh, left unresolved, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, it's what everybody does, right? With all the coping mechanisms. And yeah, sure. Like, I mean, people don't even need to be in religion for them to kind of push stuff to the bottom and ignore it and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But oh, I do think religion is one of its tools is often all right just push that right down and let's look at jesus yeah. for a while and it'll go away or um yeah it's it's crazy and the, the not talking about things is is fascinating to me like 
I am so aware of, uh, it's funny because like obviously my podcast is talking to people for hours on end, but I, I struggled uh, for the majority of my life. I've struggled to talk about my feelings, what's going on, mm-hmm. be vulnerable. Um, even now I'm much less vulnerable and, and open than a lot of people um, would presume. I, I've, I've probably come across very open on, on uh, this and I, and I am much more open than I've ever been. And maybe compared to certain people, I'm much more open, but I'm certainly nowhere near where I'd like to be. And I, I'm not able to kind of engage with my emotions and share them. And actually it's the people that I'm closest to that I probably struggle with more doing that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of it is my family didn't have that capacity that that just wasn't what we did. We didn't talk about your problems. We didn't talk about emotions. We didn't process emotions. Like I don't overly remember getting taught about emotions to be fair on my family. I don't remember anything. So maybe they did like a four week seminar on emotions. I don't know. Um, but uh, all right, Phil, you're four years old now. We're going to start week one on uh, the <laughs> seminar. On, um, but I just didn't feel very equipped um, looking back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, again, I'm not saying anything negative. My parents were so freaking amazing. Like I cannot stress how amazing they were. Um, but they just didn't have the, the training that, that was probably required for them to bring up a kid in that manner. Right. And right. you can't blame them. That was like, it was the eighties. So it's a different time. They had their own upbringings. Like my mom grew up in an abusive home. My dad grew up in an abusive home. Um, like, you know, they had a lot of crap. Like my, my dad got like treated like shit if he showed any emotions. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like his he had an abusive father, like there's just like no room for emotions. And so is it surprising that my dad? um it's probably only now realistically in my life starting to open up to me emotionally and i'm so proud of him for that like it's an amazing thing um but like and and part of that's on me as well i've not given him the the space to do that and and allowed him um to do that and so it's just this weird weird thing growing up in homes and i think that I don't, I don't know if that is more generational than church, but I do know a lot of people that grew up in the church that had that dynamic. Their parents didn't open up to them. They didn't mm-hmm. um, have that. Maybe, maybe it is more generational as well. I know that's kind of maybe a slightly boomer thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, it's but, true. I, I mean, I think it is. I think it is both. Yeah. Um, I don't want to shit on the church the if we should be just shitting in. on everyone else as well. You know, <laughs> we can shit on the church for a lot of other things. That's true. Um, that's true yeah but we'll be we can be nice we don't have to shit too much but it's a good time to be alive right we're we're all i think just people are becoming more aware of this stuff and working on this stuff which is a beautiful thing phil we are in this is this is what i believe and i say it kind of tongue-in-cheek but we are in the the next great awakening and the thing that the thing that the, the prophetic christians have prophesied for is happening and they they have no idea what it was what it was going to look like and now they're holding on to their way of being and trying to stand against the, the storm that's raging. Um, and they're just going to be, uh, they're going to be swept away because they're not willing to adapt and, and see what is actually happening. Um, mm. You know, and lots of, lots of spiritual new age people talk about it too, about the, about the, the awakening and the, the awareness that it's growing. It's like, I just think it's an evolution of humanity. It's like yeah. becoming more aware and understanding things in a new way. And, I don't think it's particularly anything special about this time. I think it's just another, you know, time period where great, great unrest is happening. Things, yeah, it's time for humanity to, to change and to shift, and and mm. it's happening. And it's 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 that's the crazy thing is like we we are we are creatures of 
safety, right? You like you've said, your brain is wired for safety, right? It's like that's what we want. We want to feel safe and secure, and so change in any way really Terrifying. makes us, uh, yeah, really scared, and we don't want to go through that. But how else are we going to grow and evolve as as a species? Mm. So I just like I'm for it, you know. I'm here for it, but I'm also recognizing like, man, I'm such a little speck of dust. <laughs> has absolutely <laughs> no I have no bearing on what is happening in the world that's and so funny that's what I, I've so I've come to terms with like you know even on Instagram and social media stuff it's like I want to be aware but I'm recognizing like I need to take a step back because again these things like are real have really affected my mental health yeah and I've not been able to separate myself from them so it's crazy funny thing so I was listening to Rob Bell who even though I don't believe in necessarily gurus he will always be my guru I love that. Uh, he's, he's led me in so many ways and i was listening to his latest podcast because he hadn't put out one for a couple months i think oh really um i think he usually takes some of summer off and doesn't do anything but he put one out and it's called i think it's called so you and so you went into the water and he's talking about baptism um and it's just i i just love he is my he is my like my tether to I don't want to say like typical Christianity, but like to the Bible and to all the, what I think is like real Christianity and the Mm. way that he talks about it is so fascinating and powerful. Um, And he was just talking about a bunch of things about Jesus getting baptized and and what that meant um, and how Jesus getting baptized by John was actually like, and I'd never heard it said this way before, but he's like, Jesus getting baptized in the Jordan by John was a criticism of the religious world because they would get they would have religious uh, rituals and baptisms in the temple and he's saying mm-hmm. no you don't have to be associated or connected to any type of religion to have a connection to the divine like that is fascinating i've never actually heard it that interpreted in that way but he was talking about what's going on in the world and and how so many christians who are getting it wrong you know and are missing missing the point and losing the plot and he's like, what are you, what are you focusing on? What are you giving your energy to? Mm-hmm. Like, these people, they're not going to get it. And you focusing on them and being so, I don't know if you said angry, but like being so concerned that they're not getting it and trying to like be focused on helping them get it or whatever. It's not doing anything. He's like, what are you here to create in the world? What are you here to do? What is your, what is your, uh, what's your energy? What do you have to release? to create whatever you know how he talks about yeah. like, creation um and i was just like that it convicted me so hard i was like oh i'm giving so much of my energy and my headspace yep. to these people who i used to admire and i'm keep like just following what they're doing and being angry about it and not being able to do a damn thing and i think just need to stop <laughs> i need to focus on my life here and now and so i realized i was like wow that is so that is so, so powerful. And it's like, I need to guard, uh, you know, guard my, what I'm taking in essentially, what I'm consuming. Yeah. This was like, it is really interesting how like, you know, and it's, I think it's talked about it quite a bit in the Christian world. It's like what you consume, you will become, you know? So if you consume all these, you know, mm. whatever evil things, it becomes a part of you and it really does. And so I'm just trying to right now, I mean, this was like two days ago. I'm trying to like, okay, take a step back. And I feel like this weekend is really good to like kind of reset a little bit. I mean, like I put like, I've had to like 
put a, a time limit on my Instagram and nice. and my wife and my wife has the password and I'm like don't yes. let me I have like a max <laughs> amount of time a day when I send you a, a desperate text saying please let me on Instagram don't listen yeah, exactly exactly so it's so funny and it's like I just you know because I'll I'll just mindlessly scroll and search for things and like read yep. the news and like like a week or so ago I was like reading the local news and I was like you know person was killed by a bear in the woods and it's like and it's all the and it's like oh this is so depressing and like realizing how much it affected me mm. um but I wrestled so much early on especially with like the Black Lives Matter stuff is like because I was like I, I knew that I needed to take a break but I was like these people are protesting in the streets every day yeah and they don't get to take a break and their lives yeah. are on the line I'm like mm -hmm. why and it felt so selfish again of me to be like I can literally just turn off my phone and yeah. not pay attention and it will have no impact on me. Yeah. And if that isn't white supremacy, like, I don't know what is. Yeah. You know, it doesn't affect me at all. And, and I wrestled with that so much to the point where I was like, this is really, I just let myself be totally affected by it. And it really negatively affected me because I didn't mm -hmm. know how to balance and find some rest. Yeah. And I still like, I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm like, these things that are happening in in the U.S. and I'll tell you this, you you can you can quote me on this, and we'll see what happens. I think Donald Trump's going to win, and yeah. I think I do, I really do, and I think it would it's going to continue to be. Is that because I mean, the Lord says it's going to happen? And and you? Oh no, it's it? just me. I'm it's I'm just joking. me. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly think that it's because it's one of those things where I just feel like change we will not accept change unless it is thrust upon us as a species you know even with the pandemic and stuff like you see all like the the resistance to yeah. adapt adapting you know and trying to like people wearing masks and stuff and all that it's like people don't want to do it and it's it's very much an american problem i think mostly sure more so but Canadian. i mean we we more have so. we have like protests in the uk and i'm just like guys we're supposed to be like europe and the uk we're supposed to be like a bit more enlightened and i'm like god there's ten thousand people in hyde park in london protesting wearing masks and like oh wow what what are you doing Ten thousand. there's ten thousand of us in the uk and i'm like and that's just people that showed up in a park in london i'm like there's a lot more than ten thousand apparently my my yeah. wife tilly has like people that she's friends with on facebook at, like that from her old churches and things like that and she's like these people are freaking crazy she's like i had no idea but they are like white supremacists science like phobic like insane people and she's like yeah. I didn't realize the people in the UK, like I, I just thought it was America. And it's like, no, no, no. There's just like this culture where it's not allowed to surface. And I think that was what America was like for a little while was there was just this culture where like, don't talk about, don't, don't stick your head up and say, that's what you're like. But when there was mm -hmm. a candidate there, don't say we're going to vote for him, but we're going to vote for him. And, yeah. and that's how he won ultimately. Right. I mean, on some level was that like, there, there turns out there was a huge amount of people that were like, kind of like that whatever it was, right? Even if it's not because they were racist, because of this, because of that, like there was something mm -hmm. where people were like not ticking that box in the polls, but they ticked the box when it came to going to the poll booth and right. um, and voting. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I sit with you a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm full of dread and I'm full of, uh, uh, not dread and fear, those are the wrong words because I feel like I'm, I'm learning to divest myself of that. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe again, this is a bit like the privilege thing, right? I can sit over in the UK and go, ah, crazy America, right? 
but none of us in the world really can. <laughs> like America doesn't really have the, we don't, no one has the luxury of being disconnected from America because they've got a military no. base in every city basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I could see it happening. I really could. I really could, even though I know the polls are like way skewed towards Biden winning and all of that. But I'm like, well, I heard that last time. Right. Right. That's what exactly. Paul said last time. Yeah. It's crazy. It's the same kind of thing. And I think he's still going to get a lot of the evangelical support. And yeah. um, well, evangelicals are doubling down a lot. I mean, there is definitely yeah. a movement within evangelicalism of people going, you know what? No. Um, but it's not a huge movement by any means. Right. Uh, yeah. So I say I say that because I feel like I feel like he's going to win, and I feel like it's going to continue down the path of the authoritarianism, and he's going to feel even more justified, yeah. uh, you know, in his in what he's done. Because like, hey, they still want me in there, so we're going to keep going. And yeah, I just think I mean, you see a third term coming. You know, I don't know what it, when it gets to that point, <laughs> but. <laughs> It seems. It seems like I'm pushing you for people, more and more ridiculous uh, predictions. I don't. It seems. It seems like a lot of people would would gladly trade in that that. Uh, that it seems like it's the end of democracy in America, and people are happy to trade it in. I think for, we all are a safety. little bit for that, though, right? On some level, like right. I think um, I, that's maybe not quite fair, but like I think on some level we would all given the right person that supports what we're about that's really changing the world we all would go right back to israel and go yes we'll have a king please we'll have a person that represents us well and makes this nation like a bastion of what we believe we should be like and maybe for if you're like a super left-leaning and you think trump's the antichrist you know if you had a a a leader that was going to come in and go look we're not going to do it the way we've done it before voting is corrupt it's screwed up anyway what we're going to do is we're going to install basic universal income and we're going to have whatever i don't know whatever the left would really love right you know we're Mm -hmm. going to make sure everyone's covered in welfare and it's good and we're going to get jobs back up and running and whatever it is i don't know like i think all of us a little bit would would like be challenged in our fierce hold of democracy when we were Mm -hmm. offered exactly what we want and i think What's fascinating to me is that for a lot of evangelicals, that is Trump. Like, that's exactly what you want. And I'm like, it feels like there's huge compromise going on and you're just blind to the compromise because there's no way that's exactly what you want. I get that, like, he's ticking certain boxes that are, like, your one main option, right? So maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's, you know, getting you jobs or the economy or whatever, whether he can do those things or not. But Right. I just read yesterday that he promised, sorry to interrupt, he promised to defund Planned Parenthood completely. If wow. he there you go, evangelical vote. Like, I mean, you yeah. and I grew up in like, you know, evangelicalism, the charismatic movement. I 100% know that like, whatever people's beliefs about Trump's day-to-day life, I can go and look at Bethel, where we were mm-hmm. for a while and go, oh no, they were like, they were willing when I, when I was there. I don't know, were you there when um, the second election? No, I think you've gone home by this point. But like when it was uh, Obama and Romney, were head to head and they were literally i talked about this in my last podcast but they were literally at bethel they were like romney is the christian man a christian choice and i'm like hold on six weeks ago you would have said he's a cult right i mean christians he was look mormon at, right christians look at mormonism as a cult and now you've had to embrace an entire cult so that you can call one candidate the christian choice over the other solely on one topic 
like mm-hmm. family values or traditional families or you know yeah. basically abortion homosexuality those kind of topics that's basically all that mattered right and you can yeah. look past any other topic that shocks me then but the fact that people are willing to do that for trump so if trump goes oh i'll kill planned parenthood christians across the boards protestant catholic will tick that box because that yeah. is the devil to them they will the, take pussy grabbing and everything else all day all day um it's, it's yeah, just it's... wild but i but i get it as well because i've i've, I've been that passionate about certain causes about one mm-hmm. co- like do you know what i mean it's like what would I don't know. What would the black church in America give if there was a candidate that came up and said, I am going to just crush racism. It's no longer going to be a thing, but also, I don't know. um, I'm going to just go to war every couple of years with another country somewhere. Maybe that would challenge enough. Do you know what I mean? I I don't know. I'm trying to think of a group of people that are so Mm -hmm. wanting one thing to be reformed. Um, I, I don't, I'm not trying to speak for black people and say they'd be excited about people getting bombed in another country. But like right. when you're under such a perceived oppression, which the church perceives that millions of babies are being killed every year, whether you believe mm-hmm. that's what's happening or not, that's what the church actually thinks is happening. Like, mm-hmm. it's like Louis C.K. stand up. Have, have you seen that? The, the Louis C.K. stand up in San Francisco? And he's in San Francisco and he's like, can you believe Christians? They're like anti-abortion. What a bunch of nutcases, right? He's playing up to like the San Francisco audience and they're all like, oh, yeah. Oh, I have seen this. I remember this. Yeah, they think that millions of babies are dying every year. And the whole crowd just kind of like kills. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I mean, I don't believe that. But I hope that if I did believe that, I'd be as against it as well. Like, surely we can all like recognize that like just with a perspective change, these people aren't crazy. They're actually really passionate about something very important, right? Mm-hmm. That's like saying, can you believe these crazy people trying to stop Hitler with his Holocaust? It's like, no, no, <laughs> that, that sounds really sane to me. Um, yeah. And so if, if we framed it like, oh, there's a country that's killing millions of babies and people are trying to stop that, I'd be like, yeah, which country? I'm, I'll get on board. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sign a petition. I'll yeah. you know, send money to that. It's because we have different definitions of what that means or what that looks like. Um, but I can, I can see people ticking a box a hundred percent if that's what he's offering and he knows it. That's why he's offering. Right. Yeah, of course. So where does that come from? Cause I'm, I'm really curious. Is it just a form of fundamentalism? Because I feel like, is it like, because of the duality of thinking like a black or white, right or wrong? As I, I've been thinking about like Christian fundamentalism and you think, when you think of Christian fundamentalism, you think of like, um, Oh, you know the Westboro Baptist Church, you know, right. and those those kinds of guys. But it's like uh, what I see it as is any any fundamentalism is any group that is so rigidly adherent to one specific thing or one or, or a small type of things. They're just they, little set they of will, rules are yeah, and they won't compromise in any way on these certain things. And I look at something like Bethel and I think, oh, they're very fundamental about like signs and wonders, miracles. Mm-hmm. And and like the joy of the Lord, and like yeah. and they said, these are the things that we are focusing on, and we're not going to focus on these other things. Yeah. And I'm just curious about that because it, it, I just wonder. I'm like, because obviously they're big Trump supporters, and mm-hmm. and for me it was like that was kind of the beginning of the end of my relationship with with that whole world because I was like, this doesn't add up to me. I can't yeah. I can't get behind this, but mm-hmm. they are very willing and to do that, and so I'm like. So like what I'm just like what is it like because there I just see like to me it's like it's very antithetical to who Jesus is yeah 
to, to, to support this man and say, you know, but is it because like, they're so focused on, it's like you, you, um, you're so focused on one thing or, or some things like having the blinders on, it's like you literally can't see the other things. You know, we were encouraged to like wear blinders, right? Yeah. In that, in that sense of like, focus yeah. on Jesus and don't let anything distract you from, from Jesus. Um, and I look at somebody like, I don't know if I should name names, but there's a certain, there's a certain uh, charismatic worship leader gallivanting <laughs> around the U.S., garnering everyone's immediately it. gonna know who you're talking about <laughs> and like to me i'm like he's the poster boy for what it looks like to be a radicalized christian right in, and bethel in have disassociated with him largely as well which is fascinating really like, I, like, I i saw a thing where basically people were posting it, we're talking about sean foy i don't know if people like have picked up that or not but if you can research this guy he's a fascinating but he, i mentioned his name because he is an interesting study you look at this guy i mean he tried to run as a was it a senator or a congress i think a senator right he congress, tried to run congressman for, congressman right so he tried to run yeah. for congress i mean he's he's really radical but his whole thing was like i'm gonna you know change government so that like we'll get abortion change that was this big thing again like was this abortion mm-hmm. religious freedoms and now he's very much on the religious freedoms he's he's arranging gatherings in like is it in walmart he's like gathering people in walmart to worship because they couldn't worship in churches and and it's yeah. crazy things like you know all these kind of stuff and and on one level on a libertarian level on a, a freedoms level i'm like i understand the principles under here but unfortunately, those principles don't seem to jive too much with Christianity, which doesn't care about your liberty. Um, mm-hmm. Your liberty is to be let, let go of for the sake of liberty of others, right? You know, like that's the whole point of, for freedom. I have set you free, you know, so you're right. free to make sure other people are free. Um, and I think generally speaking, not giving people COVID-19 is a great way to make them free. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the, the, I think the fascinating part of that was that um, even Bethel that are very... Uh, right-wing, conservative, any of these names that you might use, and not everyone at Bethel is a Trump fan or whatever, but the majority, um, certainly in senior leadership and things like that, they've been very vocal about being uh, Trump fans. Um, They've not been too much the last few months I've seen. They've definitely been vocal about other things, but they've not specifically been, you need to vote for Trump, but that'll rack Mm -hmm. up, that always racks up in the last month, and then they issue some sort of apology around the time where it's too late and everyone's voted. and, and then it happens again every four years. I've seen, I've been through yeah. this with Bethel every time. Um, but uh, anyway, but like what's fascinating is they did kind of disconnect. And do you know what it was over? It was over when he went to George Floyd's, yeah. uh, the location that George Floyd had been shot. Uh, well, not shot. He was, um, he was suffocated, he was, right? Yeah. And just, um, but they went to that location and they were having some sort of vigil and Bethel set up a huge sound system across the road and did a worship service and were like, yeah. come over here, guys, come over here and tried to, and then yeah. tried to do some sort of reconciliation thing. And, um, but it wasn't Bethel, it turns out. And that, that's why Bethel were really vocal of like, no, 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 that's not us. That's Sean Foy. And so that was only, it was only then that I realized, oh, those two are no longer kind of connected and that's Bethel very we're, we don't want to associate with that so I was like well at least they were drawing some sort of line there it's just it was a as someone that like still has a very strong fondness for that group of people mm-hmm. um, for that community whether I agree or not I mean they're my family in a lot of ways you know that's where I've come yeah. from a bit like you know you know I love my mom and dad but like gosh they got some issues or whatever it's the same deal with Bethel <laughs> for me I'm like I love totally. those people but we don't see eye to eye and I hope that they have room to change and grow um but yeah, wild. Like, I mean, 
like fundamental like you said like i mean yeah how on earth is this your priority in the like for me i'm like that's your priority in the midst of all this but i don't have the mental space for half the stuff that like i should have the mental space for and mm-hmm. you're going to war with the u.s government for your right to spread the virus <laughs> like yeah. that's different different approach you know um, yeah really surreal sorry i interrupted you to go on a rant but like i i just thought no people should know that super, roughly super cool talk around this this person of who he is or whatever and, yeah i uh, i knew that he wasn't like technically at bethel like on staff mm. or worship leading or anything anymore. was he at some point um, i feel like he was at some point or maybe well he was maybe, part of the, like he was the their bethel worship music team collective like yeah right um but yeah like but i know like he still has obviously like a relationship with those people yeah. and, and the Johnsons and they, he, he got they, there like long after we got, we were gone as well. Like I have no relationship. I think so. with him, never yeah. met him. Like, so I, I can't comment. I'm him. sure he's a nice guy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's not, come, but... he's come to our church here. Oh, um, cool. My, yeah. my old church. Yeah. My old church. Um, multiple times. Uh, okay. but, and it was, yeah, I mean, like I, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about the guy and his character or anything, yeah. but, it's, it's i'm just really fascinated by that yeah. that idea you know or you look at somebody like you know, talking about purity culture like joshua harris who was like wrote these books when he was like a teenager you know and was like yeah. so passionate and focused about this thing that he was convinced was right and true and good and now like obviously he is recanted and you know has apologized and as as an adult realized how toxic that was for a lot of people myself included it was like i love those books talk talk about so me funny. being so so proud of like, oh, a little pat on the back for jordan yeah I dude mean, i was like i kissed Childs. dating goodbye man i kissed it goodbye and i was like all my friends in high school were like dating and i was like you know i didn't say this but i was like you losers like yeah. you can't control your hormones I'm yeah like, you kiss dating you? goodbye i kiss masturbation goodbye <laughs> i don't even masturbate <laughs> you think kissing's temptation I ain't got no temptation. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, dude, that's so good. But like, oh God. Yeah, so I don't know. I, that's the thing for me. I was like, I, I would like to do some more research and reading, but I have no time. I think, you know, is there like, something? But... Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I've got like new lights and it's hot. They're hotter than I thought. Oh, really? Um, I'm like shining as well. Like, um, You're beautiful. You're but, glowing. Uh, I probably shouldn't be wearing a sweater. That's the biggest issue, to be honest with you, is I'm wearing a huge hoodie. Um, I am as well. They, uh, what was I going to say there? I think one of the big things, I think there's something in us as humans that we want something. I think we need, we need control, right? We need to feel in control. Yeah. We need to, and I think there's something about, let's be honest, right? If, if I was to be like, all right, Jordan, you're in charge of the U.S., fix it you'd be like fuck really i maybe have some ideas for a couple of things but if i'm honest i can maybe grab a couple of ideas and run with them i'm gonna need mm-hmm. a lot of help you know what i mean is this an overwhelming concept there's thousands of different categories oh, and inside yeah. those categories there's millions of different things and rules and regulations and employees like there's so much to go on to try and run a nation and i think we feel powerless. We feel scared when things aren't going the way we want. And as Christians, that's often the case, right? Cause we're moving forwards and Christians generally speaking are trying to move backwards. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's a very scary, all that different stuff. And I think we almost, we latch on to an idea. If there's a, something that we can control and maybe, or maybe gain control or fight for, if we can have a cause that's nice, it's simple, it's something we can fight for and make a change yeah. in, it's huge, right? I mean, we know the power of that. Like, um, a great example of this was, do you remember the, the plastic straw-like thing? that just blew up everywhere and everyone was banning plastic oh, straws and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is they traced like kind of the, the money behind that. And it was actually a lot of it was financed by the oil industry um, oh, and really? also the fishing industry. Um, and what's interesting is when you actually look at, I mean, pollutants, where plastics are getting used and stuff, like not much plastic is really burned on making some straws, right? You know, not much yeah. oil goes into that. And then when you look at ocean, um, uh, what the oceans are full of when we look at our trash, not many straws in there there is but like yeah a lot more fishing tackle a lot more crap a lot more like plastic bags or whatever and it turned mm-hmm. out that like people basically were given what is something that you can make a cause you can make a difference you can do and feel good about it and right. you've got a victory but actually the people that are really fucking over the planet have still won and they've nothing they've not lost anything here and that was like it was a good example of that but i think on some level we're tapping into these things when we go if I can just, if we could, the church really could, if we really hunkered in and just focused on this, maybe we could stop abortion and framed the right way. You can save millions of babies of lives. That mm-hmm. seems like a big deal. Like, I mean, and, and I is, and I don't want to minimize people listening to this. I, I, I showed this by research about half the people that deconstruct still have a problem with abortion. They still go, I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure what I feel about abortion. I'm not comfortable with it. So people listen to this. I'm not saying abortion is good or bad. I'm just saying like, it depends on how you perceive it, whether you're going to say it's good or bad. Um, and so if you're perceiving it that way, like it becomes this huge victory, like a huge victory, right? It's a massive one. It's yeah. much bigger than saving the world via plastic straws. This is like, you're saving millions of lives if we can overturn this rule. Um mm-hmm. And so suddenly you're like, this is a mission, right? This is why you have tens of thousands of youth, you know, with tape over their mouth camped out on like, you know, Washington's lawns and, you know, like stuff like that happens because it's like, this is a, a, a march we're going to get to. This is a fight we can do. Right. Um, and I think there's something in someone like Sean where he grabs a hold of something that can become a movement. It's a very, it's a very simple thing to be like, I'm a Christian. I feel powerless. I feel the government and I feel the, the world's forcing things upon us, making us uncomfortable. I don't like the control. They've shut, they've not let me go to church anymore. And I don't like that. It's a very easy win for me to go, okay, how do I rebelliously start running? Oh, they're letting people shop. Let's, let's worship in shops. That'll teach them. Yeah. Or, oh, you can go to the beach. All right, let's have a 10,000 person or 3000, whatever it was gathering on San Diego's beaches, which they did. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, on some level, that's a huge victory. You see those Christians are sharing pictures of thousands of people and hundreds of people getting baptized in the ocean. And they're like, this is amazing. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. I guess it really is for you. Like the way you're framing mm-hmm. this, this is a huge victory. Um, but I think there's something of that in fundamentalism where we can, we can kind of almost reduce life to this simplistic world where I can be in control and have a victory and feel like I'm winning. Whereas yeah. actually when you start stripping it away, you go, God, this is, it's just overwhelming. You know, life is a bit overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you look at something like Black Lives Matters and you're like, this feels overwhelming. You know, maybe we get a bit of reform here or reform there, you know, like 
like certain i remember some districts were like they released um there was like eight things that black lives matter were asking for and it was things like we won't restrain people by kneeling on their necks and i was showing that to my brother yeah. who's quite militant anyway right he's he's a police officer in scotland and uh yeah he's funny he's a funny lad um but on the scale of like pretty intense to like pretty chill he's definitely like a, a 12 on the intense scale you yeah know? Um, and he's like that's a thing they had to ask for he's like that what like you know my right. bro would love to chase down a criminal and jump on them any day of the week um but he's like <laughs> no they would have to be a criminal and they'd have to be you know like exerting some sort right. of force or anything for us to ever do anything so he's like that's kind of wild that that's even a thing but that's a victory you know it feels like a big mm-hmm. victory but you take a step back and you're like okay but like other people in the rest of the world aren't even needing to ask their police not to kneel on their necks to hold them down. They can just, you know, maybe mm-hmm. hold them down, you know, by their hands or, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, the, a good portion of the world managed to do this without kneeling on people's necks. It's, you could argue it's a effective mechanism, but most of the world doesn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just, but it feels so overwhelming, right? Once we, once we, so it's it, it's almost this manageable thing. And is it good that that got overturned? Fuck yeah. Like how yeah. George Floyd would be alive if his area mm-hmm. didn't teach that as a restraint technique. Um, so of course overturning that's good, but you take a step back and you're like, oh man, racism is not just kneeling on people's necks. This thing is fucking huge. And where do you even right. begin? And so I think there's something, there might even be something good about being able to put some blinkers on and go, all right, let's go after one thing at a time or let's figure out what are our main three things. And I think that's what the church has done through the moral majority, right? That, that kind of movement yeah. is they made the main things, abortion, mm-hmm. um, traditional family values, traditional, whatever. Um, you know, that was it. Like they were like, okay, we're not going to care about um, the homeless crisis as much. We're not going to care about refugees, things that otherwise the church might be really passionate about. And if you look at the progressive movement, they're going to go, oh, we don't actually that's not a big topic for us, abortion or um, LGBT, maybe on the other side of it, it is, but actually we're mm-hmm. also really passionate about homeless people. We're really passionate about, you know, making sure there's welfare for everyone or there's healthcare or whatever. Um, and so we start to realize that we all do this on some level. We make our main points, our main points. We put our blinkers on and we, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just rambling really, but. No, 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 no just, I like it. And I, it made me think of something when you said that. Mm. Um, talk that for a while. Don't let me interrupt. <laughs> No, no, I want to talk about it and see what you think, because I'm super curious. Um, So this guy, do you know who Yann Martel is? I don't think so. I feel like it's funny because I've had, I've talked about this to multiple people and I'm like, I'm like, did I say this on the last podcast that I was on with you? I'm like, I hope I'm not repeating things, but maybe I am. Uh, So I'm fascinated with like biology, right? And our understanding of like how the nervous system works and how we react to things and how much of what we are doing is a conditioned response, you know, and like all that, all that stuff that goes on that we are in our subconscious and that we're not even aware of, like it fascinates me. And so I've been like trying to learn and read more about that sort of thing. Do it. Keep going. Get free. Get free. Um, but so Yen Martel, uh, you know, you know, the book Life of Pi? Yeah, yeah. You heard of that book in the movie? So he wrote that book. Maybe you did mention this. It's kind of starting to ring a bell, but keep going. And he actually he actually lives here in Saskatoon. Oh wow, really cool. Um, my wife just texted me, said she has arrived at her destination. Awesome. I'm just gonna text her back quickly. That's good. Perfect. Talking to you. 
Um, so Ian Martel is an author. He wrote the book Life of Pi and, and other books. And he comes he comes with his family to my ice cream shop sometimes. And I'm always like, Ian Martel? I think he's really cool. Um, but yeah, him and, he and his wife are both authors, actually. Wow. Um, she's written some like young adult fiction, I think, and some other things. Um, oh, it looks like I have someone coming into my home. That's my... <laughs> It's Can my, we answer your home? Yeah, no, literally. Um, we have someone who lives with us part-time. Okay, okay. I forgot that she was going to be here, so I'm just going to say hi so she doesn't freak out. No, it's fine. Know. I'm going to still let her know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you? Good. I am I didn't realize you were going to be coming home, but I'm just doing a podcast right now. So No, it's totally fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> just want to let you know so you can just do your thing. It's no, Don't worry about being loud or anything. Uh, it's been like an hour and a half, so we'll probably be done in a little bit. Oh, I'm on it right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Say Don't hi. Worry about it. Hey, Kayla. Phil says hi. Phil says hi. She said hi. Excellent. <laughs> um, so he did this little. You know those videos are like big think. I think they're on YouTube. Okay. I forget. Yeah. They're like it's like a series, and they have like just people talking about things. And anyway, he. Um, the world and he talks about a deer in the woods does this sound familiar no I don't so okay so he's he's he basically talked about last time i've completely forgotten that gives you an idea my okay. memory so he, he basically talks about a deer in the woods and they have a perception level that extends you know a certain amount say like 100 meters so they can hear things within 100 meters they know that if they hear a noise they can be alert for danger um and basically he talks about like our modern world, the internet, what is happening right now in our lives. Uh, we're basically that deer, although now we have this reach that is like two miles and we will hear about things and sense things and sense danger that is so far away and we're not actually in danger, but mm -hmm. we feel like we're in danger. So we're constantly being aware of like, oh, am I in danger? Oh, am I in danger? But it's you know, but we're reading things and hearing about all these things yep. that have no bearing on us whatsoever. And they, that we literally cannot change or do anything about, you know, and it's, it's terrible because we, we see all these tragedies happening all over the world all the time, whether it's like bombings or tsunamis, you know, and just different things happening that we have so much access to all this information. Yeah. And basically he was just saying like, we're not designed for this. Our human bodies and brains are not designed to take in all this information and 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 process it in a healthy way. So mm -hmm. we're constantly overstimulated and uh, and afraid. So I just uh, when you were saying that, like whatever you were saying about creating safety, like narrowing in, it's like we yeah. we need to do this on a certain level. We need to like it's just too in, much in otherwise, sense, right? Put up barriers, yeah, so that we don't go crazy. But at the same time, it's just like, how do you reconcile that with our global world and, and compassion? Yeah. And, and it's like, you got, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I'm like, but I yeah. wrestle with it. So it's like, I want to have compassion for what's going on in different places. But I am just this speck of dust yeah. and I have such little influence. And so, you know, is, is it beneficial? Is it, is like paying attention to all these other things? Is that stopping me from being a good father? You know, or is not stopping, but or hindering yeah. even a little bit, or yeah. making me less present in the moment and being there when my kids need it. And to some degree, yes, it it has, and it does. 
so I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm wrestling with that. I mean, like, I need to be more present, you know? And like, that's been the focus of my life in the last couple of years is this desire to be like, I have to be present in the moment. Like there is nothing else. There's nothing else in, in existence, but the present moment. Yeah. And trying to live in that place and be in that realm and you know i think i've shared before in the last one like listening to like people like eckhart tolle and um uh you know ram Dass and and trying to like understand what that is actually like and 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 hearing from these other teachers but i want to say something that i that i just to like totally jump somewhere else if that's okay i'm super i'm super curious of what of your thoughts on this i had this thought the other day and I do, I, I, I'm sure some other people have thought of this and I don't know if it's, you know, what it, uh, if it has any bearing on much of anything, but I had this thought, it's like the story of Jesus, right? In the gospels, the stuff that's written down, what we know of this person who lived as a teacher, you know, whatever. It's like, he is, he is the, the focal point of one religion, yeah. one specific religion. And there's loads of religions in our, in our planet, right? And it's just my the thought was the only reason that Christianity as a religion is so predominant in our world, mostly in like the Western world and with white people essentially, is is because of white supremacy and colonialism. Yeah. Because the Rome the Romans made it their state religion way back with Constantine. Yeah. And it became this thing that wherever they went and whatever they did, they preached this gospel. And I was, I like, I'm sure other people, I just, I'd never thought about it in that way. And it's like, so it's just crazy. Cause if like, just say, oh God, I don't know. Cause, and this is my ignorance, but like a lot of Buddhism comes from China, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That reason. Yeah. So it's like, if, if the Chinese people were, were the more, militarily advanced and they were the ones who spread over the world and colonized north america you know if that was something that happened then buddhism would be much more pronounced in mm. in all of it over the years you know it's like we just have this this i'm not trying to discount it in any way but i'm like why did it happen you know yeah. why did why is it so predominant and when you think of christianity you think oh like mostly white people but then a lot of other people a lot of other races yeah. But when you think of like Buddhism, it's very much uh, an Eastern thing and mostly relegated to that area. And it's found some prominence in the West. Um, and Islam is like very much uh, a, a Middle Eastern religion. And, and while there are people like who would be Caucasian who would convert to, to Islam, it's, a, it's not super common, you know, no. to my understanding. It's not this really common thing. It's much more a cultural, a cultural religion based around a certain a, a certain race of people and i just i just find it fascinating i'm like what is like is that why we have this predominant thing and people would say oh it's god's destiny you know it's like it was mm -hmm. you know god trying to spread the good news and using it but it's like what if it was just because of like this white supremacist mandate of like conquering the world and spreading this religion to me i'm just like i know i know what it has done to specifically indigenous people in north america and basically destroyed their homeland, took their land away from them, and you know committed genocide against their people, you know. And it was literally under the under the name of Jesus, you know, or the Crusades in the name of Jesus. Mm. And it's like you know, modern Christians would look back and be like, oh, of course those things were wrong, you know, and we're better now. But I'm like, 
yeah, maybe we're not going around killing people, but you know, we are still going to other cultures and trying to make them our culture on some level. Right. You go worship our gods. We know better. We know whatever. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, on on some level, I, I I understand that there is this weird overlap of like assumption that we know better, assumption that we have something better than you do, and then also, um, if you take away the spiritual component, you might look at um, doctor humanitarian projects, right? Mm-hmm. That go into different cultures and go, hey. Like when you're giving birth, if you make sure you clean your hands, like just that will like make sure that will drop huge amounts of the amounts of women and children that are dying at childbirth and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, so there's an element actually of like, there's a desire to help someone and I have information that will genuinely save lives or help you. Like that's, that's the mentality of the spiritual component as well. Right. On some level, like we, we know this, we grew up in the church. We know that Christians are going, oh, yeah, we're going into Africa and teaching the gospel to save people from hell, people lost in witchcraft or, you know, whatever, some tribal evil religion. And we're going to bring them in and save them from the devil and from the hell and bring them into heaven and they'll know Jesus. And um, and they can't see the intermingled components of like a, a colonization, uh, a white supremacy that they can't see that intermingled because they genuinely feel like they're just saving people's lives um right. and i think that the 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 right intent does not change the impact by any means i'm not yeah. trying to excuse mm-hmm. impact uh or, or 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 say that oh we should forgive like negative impact because the intent was good i'm not trying to say that at all but i just think how we reach these people is not by um, attacking them for their impact we have to come in and go hey we understand what your intent is mm-hmm. and we understand and we think that's a really good heart that you have to try and save people to try and what do you know do you know what i mean because i just don't think totally um the same way you want someone to vote differently right you don't go like you idiot like you're just a racist right. or whatever or you're just a no. stupid libtard or whatever it's crazy languages that we throw in that changes people's votes by the way 100 percent of the time yeah, right totally. no it's of course going oh wow you really care about the fact that like you know people are um dying as they're immigrating from like different hostile environments that's a beautiful heart you have like can you mm-hmm. talk to me about what you want to see and I, maybe i could share my input on how i don't see that working ec- economically or whatever like that would be a healthy conversation where you can push back on one negative uh, aspect and you could uh, you know promote the positive asset or the other way around right you can go hey like oh i really see that you are really worried that you wouldn't have a job and that would cause you to vote for um someone like trump who's really pushing that he's going to make sure you have a job like right. can you tell me more about that can you help me understand that like maybe that would you know was it after the election i think they did a poll um it was a pretty broad poll as well very large group and i think it was something like 68 percent or something quite high it was like that said their number one reason for voting for trump was because he promised job security um or to bring jobs back um Mm -hmm. and i was like wow that doesn't sound racist now it does mean that you had to excuse racism to vote because of the job it does mean you had right. to excuse sexism but it doesn't mean that you inherently had a desire to be sexist or racist and so calling you that is not going to help the conversation right no um, of course not so we need to kind of like figure out how we have those um those conversations because 
I don't think many Christians really see that component at all or how toxic it can be. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if they ever are able to, you know, I don't know if we can, until you kind of dismantle those kind of heaven, hell components, right? It's like, mm-hmm. they literally believe people. It's like the, you believe babies are getting killed. It's like, you believe people right. are going to burn forever. Like you're at Mildred, that like person in Africa, that person in South America, wherever you're going in your mission uh, field, you believe that person's going to die and be burned alive in their own fat for trillions of years. Jesus, you'd be an awful person if you weren't going there to try and save them. Like, totally. of course, like that's, and so I'm like, I don't know how you, until you can start deconstructing that component of their faith. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we get past that. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Um, I, I have yeah. no idea. Because I think all of us, we were born into the system, right, in this world yeah. where white supremacy is the the water that we're swimming in, uh, you know, at least in the Western world. Um, and, you know, I, I, read a, I read an article recently talking about how the fact that the, the only nations that have not given the land back to the native indigenous population in the, on the planet, like, cause Africa was fully colonized and, but they've yeah. been given back their independence and things. The only nations that continue to do that are the United States, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, wow. the whitest places in the world. And they, they refuse to give land back to the native population. Wow. And it's like, how do we, you know, and I'm like, how do we still live in, in a world where that continues to be a thing? You know, how mm-hmm. can we not recognize it? But obviously there's lots of things. And the thing about that is like it's so there's so much nuance and so many things happening uh at the same time on different levels again it's like people can only focus on one or two things otherwise they get overwhelmed and they don't feel okay you know and so i'm just like i'm gonna dive into all this stuff and totally mess myself up trying to you know discover things fry your brain whatever because i'm just curious about all these things Mm. and you know even the idea of like you know the the universe and how big it is and the fact that in my opinion there's definitely lots of aliens out there in the world you know like there's or in the universe not in the world and like <laughs> there's so much that could be going on in the massiveness of the universe and then in the the tiniest like you know rob talks about this and like everything is spiritual the bigness and the smallness of things yeah. and how little we understand as humans you know and the fact that like I don't know. I forget what it is. It's like eighty to ninety percent of the ocean is unexplored on yeah. our planet. Oh yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Godzilla's wow. down there sleeping oh, somewhere. Dude, the you Meg, know? the Meg man, <laughs> that giant shark that's been dormant yeah. somewhere in the fathoms. You know, and uh, that's so, for me. I'm crazy. just like, I just, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just so curious and fascinated by what could be. And I don't remember if I told you this again. It's, forgive me, but it's like I read an article a little while back about these scientists in Antarctica. And they, did I tell you this? They discovered, they, they, they're, I don't know how it works, but they're like observing things and they observed these particles that were moving in such a way that the only way that they could, they could uh, describe their movement and, and understand it is if they were, if they were say that there's a parallel universe happening on top of ours where time is moving in the opposite direction. And for me, that is awesome. Like, I think that's yeah. fascinating. And why couldn't that be a reality? There's, you know, why couldn't that be something that is actually happening? Right. And like, is, is time, time, is time actually 
happening in a circle or, or not a circle in a straight line, you know, is, is, you know, we experience time in that way. Yeah. But, but exactly. time is like entirely just a construct, right? At the end of the right. day, like when, yeah. But when you really like let yourself kind of, I don't even know how this happens. You know what I mean? But like when you stop and break down, like what is happening? Like I, I often do this and I'm just like, it just breaks my head. I just, I don't need this in my life, but I do it anyway. Um, where you're just sitting there and you're like, right. So what the heck am I? And you start thinking yeah. and you're like, I am like this weird collection of, I mean, if you break it down enough, we're like this subatomic mesh, a mix of all sorts of different, like 16 plus, like, you know, subatomic particles, some of which are mm-hmm. like just going in and out of reality. They're not actually yeah. here all the time. And, mm-hmm. and they're flying around everywhere, but actually it's only when we observe them that they actually take a specific path. And like, there's all sorts of crazy stuff on that small level, right? But you start building up and you're like, what the heck am I though? Like, like, like my hands, like, what is that? Like, it's just like yeah. muscle and tissue, but it's me and it's not. And then, and then you like, just start, and you look around you and you're like, what the heck is it? I'm looking at a screen. What the frick is a screen? Like a scientist can start breaking <laughs> this down technology, you know, you can break it down. Be like, this is mental. This is mental mm-hmm. that I am like some sentient collection of atoms on a rock that is hurtling through nothing yeah. at like speeds that like are unfathomable as it's spinning at speeds that like, you know, would rip mm-hmm. me apart really if I like if I if I got on a small enough scale, I'd just like tear apart at that speed. Right. This rock is spinning at that speed, flying through the universe and on it like literally just sitting on it on a chair in his house talking to someone that's on the other side of the rock via a screen like and i'm like what the hell is happening like what is this thing (laughs) called life like uh, it's just yeah i don't even know what what were we talking about that sparked that i don't know but i just i just love like i love that i love thinking about that and questioning that because i think we're talking about like the difference of of like well people just want to focus on one or two things or like have a very yeah. specific set of of parameters where they can be like i feel safe and i don't question things because if you start to think about things like that right people are like oh maybe life is meaningless maybe i need there a is story no to make me feel purpose. safe in that exactly in, in the story of what's actually happening like if we don't have some constructed reality which goes oh yeah okay no so i'm a phil and a phil was related to that and that and that and yeah. Phil like makes a podcast and a Phil is married to Tilly and we go and get food in the evening and like I don't know we do this thing for work to make money money's a thing like and but the, right. I guess it was because you were talking about time and it's like and in the midst of this ball of atoms that is kind of like it's got gut bacteria that's evolved to kind of control the whole body so it's being fed and like you know mm-hmm. like we're basically being controlled by a bunch of bacteria in our stomach uh, yeah. that's the primary motivator in our body i um, love that evolved to be a slave to basically some bacteria that live in our gut and go feed me and we're like okay cool and then we've evolved to then be able to talk to each other so we can be a bit more effective and survive longer and eat more so this gut bacteria can live i mean what is like and, and in that we're perceiving something called time but time isn't a right. thing it's, it's something that we, we perceive and then we, we create a story about time that gives it meaning, but 
does an atom know what time is? Does a rock right. know what time is? Is, is? is time relevant in that? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just such a mind-blowing concept. And then we come across something that breaks our story, right? Oh, there might be multiple worlds, right? The like kind of multiverse, multi-worlds kind of theory. And in one of them, maybe time goes backwards. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. what? What do you mean? But then you're like, well, you watch Inception, <laughs> right? Or no, what's it not Inception? What was the one? Memento. Um, uh, no, 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 I was going to say Interstellar. Oh, yeah, that's not... Um, oh, Interstellar. It goes right, to like right, another right. planet and it's like, oh, yeah, on this planet, because it's this size, you can be off the planet and time means one thing. As soon as you go on the planet, oh, a year means seven years or a minute means yeah. seven years or, you know what I mean? It's like, I, what? So time is actually entirely relevant to where I am and what I'm doing. If I'm on a different mm-hmm. planet in a minute, I... I everyone I know and love age seven years. But if I didn't go on the planet, they didn't. Right. What? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? what is, so we, even these kind of concepts we call time and things like that, just like, what is that? Like, yeah. it's just, oh, I just. I love that shit, man. But I love speaking it, exactly. Chris- speaking of Christopher Nolan, I'm going to see Tenet tonight. Oh, you are? Yeah, later on excited. tonight, not till not till late. I am very excited. This is like, I've been dude, your weekend, your weekend, man. I know. I am. I've like been going to the movies is one of my favorite things to do in the world, mm. and I have not been to a movie since before this all happened. So wow, it just recently started back up, and it's got obviously like assigned seating. Everybody's spread out, sure, and stuff. So I'm gonna go check it out and see dude, see what it's all about. Good. I've I've heard it. I mean, yeah. it's Christopher Nolan, right? You got to see it at the big screen right oh, you yeah. imax Absolutely. yeah yeah i mean yeah he, he films imax like exclusively right basically so i'm, I'm not yeah. sure but i can't remember what is what is imax is it like 78 mil or whatever it is it's, it's a certain type of film he likes that is like basically mm-hmm. the imax standard yeah um yeah man i love the cinema so much i've not been we just don't go ever like no. it's, it's such an expensive hobby man if you get into that like is it really what is it to go to the theater what is it here, like there? it's like about it depends you can get like certain days or like buy one get one free or things like that but just Mm -hmm. if you just go in on a friday evening you want to go to the theater it can be like 10 12 pounds which is 15 plus dollars for a ticket right and you're like yeah honestly i get it it's a big screen movie you gotta pay your you know 100 million pound budget or whatever dollar budget right but oh that hurts (laughs) like that's a lot it adds up fast I used to work at the movie theater when I was in high school, and it was the best. You free move, free movies whenever you want. Um, it was so fun. That's and a that dream of like, mine. Yeah, it was great. I, but except, then I. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, we, well, I went to the theater once with my friends, and this is one of my favorite theater moments, like cinema moments in my life. Is we went to see um, Serenity, one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah like absolutely amazing joss whedon all about the fire i gotta watch universe. that again i've only seen it one time so good did you watch firefly the tv show no and that's the other thing too it's like with that shadow of doubt my favorite tv show that was ever made and it, it just didn't survive it, it did a season and that was it and and it didn't survive because fox aired episode two first and episode one i next. heard that i just heard that's that the, the biggest, other day the biggest reason um i was reading crazy. i was reading some article about tv shows or something and ones that got canceled maybe that shouldn't have they just and, thought episode was like, two was a better episode that. isn't that crazy yeah. oh this this feels better so let's air it first i'm like this is in the wrong out of anyway time, out of time. we're in the cinema we're watching serenity and i'm like a fanboy of firefly so i'm so excited to finally get to watch the movie i'm i'm there mm-hmm. literally about 
eight minutes from the end. I didn't know it was eight minutes from the end, but eight minutes from the end, suddenly the whole thing just goes and just switches off. And there's just a light coming out of the box behind us. And no joke, right? No joke. My friend Andy runs to the back of the theater, climbs on the back seat, does a huge jump, grabs hold of the ledge, pulls himself up. And the image he describes to us, it, I, it, I see it almost as if like, no, I don't see it, but like, you know, I, I have uh, problems with visual um, capacity, but like he, he pictures it almost as though I was there uh, when he described it. I, I almost remember it as though I was the one that climbed the ledge. Yeah, yeah. He pulls himself up on the ledge, looks through, and he says there's this like 15-year-old, like covered in acne, like, like he's like, you know, got his like, he just like looks like a kid and he's sitting on the floor and there's this huge reel on the floor and there's just tape like everywhere. And he just holds up this bundle of tape in his hands and it's just like, <laughs> and that is just oh this huge shrug with tape everywhere. Um, <laughs> and Andy kind of climbs down and he's like, we should just go. <laughs> um, oh I think God. we got our, I think we got a refund, but I was like, that was the, like, I didn't, I didn't even see that moment. And it's still one of my favorite moments from like uh, the cinema That's experience beautiful. ever. Cause I just picturing this poor kid, obviously like, I don't know, like drop the ball somewhere or something malformed, mm-hmm. and he's just having the worst day of his life. Right. You know, he's yeah. just holding tape and he's like, <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. So oh, good. That's so great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, I'm doing that, but uh, yeah. What do you, do you play video games? Do you actually do you actually play video games? Not much these days. I play a little bit. I've been doing over pandemic. I, I had a group of friends that I did a lot of board games with, and we've been doing mm-hmm. um, like online board games on like tabletop oh, cool. simulator, which is good. We do that once a week, and that's been like that's what's kept me sane a little bit. I mean, I've had a few things that keep me sane. But just I do miss board games. Interacting with people outside of my little bubble in my home um, and just going, oh, yeah, there's people on this planet and they're my friends mm-hmm. and we can have a laugh and we have a like, recurring, like, it's great having Zooms and connecting with people. Um, most of the people I don't know, like yourself, it's like, ah, oh, an old buddy, that's great. Um, yeah. But it's a whole nother level when it's like people I chat to once a week and it's just like, oh, yeah, I've got friends. I'm, I'm a person. This is the story I'm telling myself, right? It's like, oh yeah okay <laughs> we're breathing that life is still moving and um so that's kept me a bit sane playing games for sure but yeah Sweet. dude social i just miss social man so much we're, we're still on a yeah. bit of a lockdown we got let out and then we're, we we got put back on lockdown because people were crazy here and it really? spread really fast again um Shoot. so yeah so i'm ready to hang out with friends big time like i miss hanging out with friends we, we go occasionally on like a walk or something a socially distance walk or whatever yeah we have like a right now i mean i I, honestly it's been a while since i've said anything so much i don't think it's changed but like you we're supposed to have like a a few we have like a certain group that we can interact with you know and don't cross groups and and that sort of thing so we've been able to spend some time with a few friends uh which is really nice but like they're everybody's going back to school next week like so our schools have gone back yeah it's crazy oh really yeah yeah so got a few friends that are yeah, teachers and they're telling us horror stories so i'm like oh can't imagine what lessons. it would be like yeah so especially as a teenager man as a teenager everything's a bit terrifying just life is and even more oh, so yeah. nowadays every teenager i talk to is like oh my god y'all fucked everything up we're gonna die in 20 years drowning in the ocean and you're electing mm-hmm. these crazy people right i know i'm not and you're not but like this is the teenage view of like looking at everyone older and going what have you handed us in this universe 
And on top right. of that, they were then like, oh, don't worry, kids. You go to this, like, you know, plague infested little tiny room with like 30 kids in a room and then wander through the corridors that are like, you know, like a meter wide with 700 <laughs> kids. You'll be fine. And then, like, literally, um, in the UK, it just got overturned, but there was a whole thing where the government had banned people wearing masks in the school. They were like, no, you're not going to be wearing masks in schools. Um, I don't know why that was. I can't remember that. And I don't know the internet. So I didn't look into it. So if people are listening, mm. to this, don't send me emails correcting me. I, I know it's been overturned <laughs> now anyway. It's not a big deal. But um, yeah, people people are now able to wear masks and stuff. But I'm just like, oh, this whole thing just feels crazy. But you got to go back, right? You've got to gotta have some normality. At some point, something's right. going to change. So but yeah, the, the whole world, I just don't think I'm ready for normal life again. I don't even know what normal life yeah. was before, but I feel like I'm constantly, I'm the nervous one. I'm the one that obeys the rules to the T. Like my mm -hmm. friends are like, oh, we could just hang out anyway. It's fine. Everything's kind of settled. Yeah. Like actually the government regulation in point 12 B says that you can't like, <laughs> I, I don't, and I'm like, I know that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't really matter, but I'm like, that's a rule. I got to keep it. There's something in me. I'm, yeah. I'm a rule keeper. So that's, that's, that's interesting i used to be a rule keeper but i think it was you know obviously not to get back into it but like the way of like for me it was like a a, a badge of honor a badge of pride you know right. to be that person who was like following the rules doing things the right way and but obviously i'm in the midst of my rebellion now so yeah. 23 it all down 23 i can't get my head yeah. around that that's amazing and and well and then obviously honestly once shortly there well once i started doing it i was like well i'm just gonna do this every day because i'm trying you got to catching up time. because a lot yeah. of kids have like you know they got like 10 times a day kind of like through their teenage years you got a lot dude i'm, I'm gonna call this episode like jordan etheridge didn't wank for 23 years or something like that <laughs> do it please call it whatever <laughs> that's you so want funny. That's so I'm funny i'm totally i'm totally fine with that <laughs> Uh, I love yeah. it, man. It's been really good chatting. Really good chatting. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go and enjoy your. You, you're playing basketball, going to the theater. Gonna go play basketball in like an hour. Yeah, I gotta work. So I'll check in and see what's happening with work. And you're busy. I'm man. To... You're supposed to be unwinding this weekend. Relax. Don't I like know. kill yourself. I can't. Man. Well, I yeah, I have to be there for a little bit at least. So yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. I mean, for anyone who doesn't own their own business, it is like such a weight. Yeah. That you carry around yeah. like 24 hours a day, stuff, seven right, days well. a week. Oh yeah. People it's uh, it's yeah. open right now. People are working. And so it's just like, there's so much. And like, they called me yesterday, like this, yeah, sure, the debit machine's not working. I'm like, okay, let's talk, let's figure this out. And you know, the internet was down. So I had to help right. them walk through how to fix that and stuff, you know, it's just like, it's, it's all on my shoulders yeah. and I'm not complaining. It's just like, it's something that I'd, I've never experienced before. Yeah. There's no off switch when you're self-employed. At least I, because I, I operate self-employed and like a lot of people assume I'm some sort of like 501c3 kind of charity or you know, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just like some random guy and some people give me money. So like, that's great, but it's not a charity yeah. basis or anything. And like this, it, it for a long time, that was like, uh, I could be on the streets next week, but I can't imagine the stress of like, and, and that got, I think it got worse when I got married. I started to like freak out a little bit and be a bit obsessive mm -hmm. and I overworked and I became a bit paranoid about like, what am I going to, how am I going to make more money or whatever? Um, especially when I don't charge for things like, you know, like how do I make more money yeah. and not charge for anything? Like, what am I doing? And then like, I've chilled out over the years, but I'm like, and, and the one thing I think about when I think about like, oh, like me and Till have kids at some point, And I'm like, am I going to do that again? Because I imagine 
once I've got kids and I'm going to, because I'm like, eh, me and Till could live on the streets. Um, and in the UK, that's yeah. not going to happen anyway. We've got a fairly good social <laughs> net. But, um, you know, I'm like, am I able to go, yeah, me too, and some kids could live on the streets? But I can't imagine as an employer, like, just like people, yeah, people are like, Jordan, there's a pandemic. We need you to figure out what the business is going to do so we can still pay our rent. Like, that's, a, <laughs> dude, the stress of that. I'm like, I do not want that stress. I'm in a pandemic. No. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of bed today. Don't give me that, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, that's crazy. No, and it's one of those Absolutely things crazy. where, like, I notice kind of looking back through where it's like, oh, I just shut off certain parts of myself in order mm. to keep going. I'm like, this is what is required of me right now. So I got to do it. There's no, like, there's nobody else to do these things. And it has to happen. So I'm like, I've just mm. got to do it. And so I shut off my own desires and emotions. And it's like, yep, got to go. I've had moments where, I know we said goodbye, but. Like I've had moments at work where I'm just like, I feel like shit. And I am just like on the verge of breaking down. And it's like, I just want to cry. And, you know, I'm like, I can't. I can't I stop. go, here's your ice cream. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no one wants to get an ice cream cone from someone that's like wailing, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, what but is it's like, life? <laughs> but it's like, I have friends who are like quite a few friends who are local business owners as well and you know we talk about some of these things like people who don't own our business they don't get it they no. think it's like you're living the dream you're your self-employed you own your yeah. own business it's like so it must be so fun and free and it's like it is great it is fantastic. a lot of pros but there are some cons that are yeah. really it's really difficult i say this and like all the time to people that start their own business because a lot of people i think start their own business because of that idea because oh i'll I'll be able to do what i want when i want and how i want it and i'll have freedom and i'll make more money and whatever and i'm like the type of person that decides to start their own business for those reasons generally speaking should not start their own business Mm -hmm. they're going to burn out fast because it's a whole lot more required from you to get any of those benefits but like generally speaking the person that does well at starting their own business is like the workaholic that's driven that's got a passion for some sort of niche thing and goes i'm gonna do this with my life and i'm gonna make it the best thing ever and then goes i'm gonna work 20 hours a day Um, (laughs) and that is problematic of course but generally Mm -hmm. speaking they're not the same person that's like oh i want to work i'm gonna be self-employed so i never have to work you know they're like i'm gonna be self-employed because my employer doesn't work hard enough i could do it better um you know that's (laughs) the two types of self-employed people um right and and generally speaking one makes a better boss than the other uh, because there's nothing worse than when like you are the boss that just goes ah, i don't have to work ever it's fine because then your employees are like oh great we're doing all your work <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> so no funny. i'm yeah i definitely like am i wouldn't describe myself as a workaholic but I have, I'm like, I know it needs to be done and I'm going to do it and it nothing's going to stop me there's, from doing there's it. There's finding the so balance, whichever one like, you are, you kind of need to find something in the middle, right? Yeah, no, totally. So, and like, I, I know what it's like to be an employee mm. and to really struggle with whoever is like my manager or my boss. And I'm like, I know the kind of boss that I want to be because of the experiences that I've had and that, yeah. I, that didn't really, uh, that weren't great. And so like, I want to make sure that everyone who works for me is super happy and knows what their role is and there's no you know confusion and they can just do what they are required to do without having any of the extra stress because they don't need that in their life yeah. <laughs> but anyway so yeah, i've had to man. pee for like the last 10 minutes or so and i'm well we should let you go pee pee, my pants. but uh yeah it's but, good chat man thank you so much coming on chat do you know what your podcast was one of the 
most uh, watched and listened to podcasts that I had. Um, certainly in that month, if not like at all, people kept asking for another one. So like, hey, crushed it, man. And give this is a give good the chat. people what they want, yeah. Phil. That's give it. the people what they want. And if it's me, they, they yeah, want you. So like, you're my first. Uh, no, you're not. Keith Giles is my first return guest since I started doing Oh, two. I missed it by like a couple of weeks tops. Dude, I'm just thinking while we were talking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and edit this up and move you up the schedule and bump someone back so I can release you on the same week as Rob Bell. How do you feel about that? You got Rob Bell? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to him next week. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I thought you'd so like awesome. that. But I was like, I was just oh, suddenly like, wait, I need to release Jordan on the same week as his guru, right? That would be fantastic. <laughs> hey, and if you're, hey, if you're talking to him and you just be like, hey, Jordan really likes you. You remember this guy that you met in San Francisco? And I might tell him that story. I might <laughs> go like, dude, what did you actually think that you said? And then show him, show him my face. Show a picture. Do you remember I think I had the guy? picture. I like, we took a picture with him, like a selfie with like me and David Staley. And, um, oh God, I feel terrible because I forget her name. Oh, she was British. Amelia Fuller. Remember her? Amelia Fuller? I think that was her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that bell. She's blonde. That, that, bell She's blonde. Rings, that name rings a bell. Yeah, it was me and David and her. Yeah, I do was remember. Four of us? Yeah. Dude, how did I not end up going to that? What the heck? I don't what know. life choices was I making in my? Oh. Dude, I I went to San Francisco for the first time with you. Do you remember this? Do you remember? I remember going to San Francisco with you. I don't remember being the first time. It was the first time I had ever been. It was like I was. I first love year, San like, Francisco. Oh, dude. So good. It's so great. Yeah. Lauren and I went there a few years ago for I took her there for her birthday. So we have a friend who lives there. We stayed at their house, nice. which is like right in the I forget the name of it, but it's like right in like one of the coolest neighborhoods. Like nice. and you walk walk out, out of her house, walk a block and you're at all these cool coffee shops and stuff. And wow. We just walked around the city for like a week and did so many fun Such things. Such a great place. Yeah. That's I don't know. Awesome. Like oh, man, I would like to travel. I really miss that. And I always wanted to like when we had kids. I was like, I want to take my kids places. I don't want to be there, yeah. be limited by that, you know. Like, well, I want to show them the world. And but who knows what's gonna happen? Anyway. Well, if you have the best September, third best month of the year, you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, let's see with the with the global warming. You know, could be could be right up your street. Maybe if we actually get hey. global warming, like you know, all through the winter, you know, Canada ice caps melt, suddenly hot. People need ice cream in January. You're in, but then you won't be able to yeah. travel because everywhere you want to go is under the ocean. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's Just be tough. flexible. Just roll yeah. with it. You won't be visiting San Fran, that's for sure. I know, man. Even my hometown on the east oh, coast. Day. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I just right. peed my pants. All right. Well, there we go. We can go another hour now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love I you, actually, man. Can I tell? Okay. I'll tell you something. Sorry. This is uh, about you peeing your pants. Still, no, but it is about urination. I went to shoot hoops with a friend this morning, two two friends that I that I know really well. And uh, we were at the park and I was like, oh, I got there and I was like, oh, I got to pee and there's no bathroom. So I'm like, well, and I was like, I found a bottle in my car and I sat in my car and you're in no. it. You can, cut, you can cut this out if you want. That's hilarious. Then, I'm keeping that. It's hilarious. I haven't, I haven't done that. I think I've maybe done it once before in my life. But I was like, I I've got to the point of thinking sleep. about it multiple times. You know, when you're on like a road trip or you're like, oh God, I'm never going to get to the house or whatever. Yeah. Or You didn't just like, 
where were you playing ball? Like in the park or something? It's not a, it was a, a park, but like I looked around. Like, yeah, no. you're going on a register. You know, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> exactly. Hide in the car. There's people, there's people yeah. walking their dogs. There's a playground like 100 feet away. I'm like, no, that yeah, happens. that's you're going straight on the register. <laughs> <laughs> that's not worth it. You're not going to sell any ice cream on that. Mm-mm. No. All right, that's man. Funny. All right. Love you, man. I'll catch you later. Love yeah? you too. Great to see you. All right. So that was Jordan Etheridge. You can follow him on Instagram if you want. Um, She's his personal account. It's uh, Le Jordan, L E J O R D A N. Or you can follow his uh, ice cream business account, which I recommend because it's lots of pictures of ice cream. It might lead to you purchasing lots of ice cream and getting fat. I don't blame me if that's the case, right? But it's Fable Ice Cream over on Instagram as well. I hope you enjoyed that. I love chatting with Jordan. I love catching up. Uh, I have a firm believer that he'll be a a regular on the show. Um, If you enjoyed that, there's plenty more coming. Um, I'm trying to think who's next week. I can't remember who's next week. Uh, We have uh, Rachel Alba, um, a sex coach and therapist, and uh, Ashley from Disology on Instagram. Both amazing chats. And so lots to look forward to there. Um, if you cannot wait for that, there's great material. There's loads of stuff on YouTube. There's the gracecourse.com, loads of teaching videos over there that you can watch for free. The Deconstruction Network, as I mentioned at the beginning, the deconstructionnetwork.com, a great resource for people that are deconstructing. If you feel lonely in this process, if you feel a bit isolated, if you feel that you've lost a lot of your friends, family, community, or whatever, it's a great place to go to hopefully connect with people and, and um, meet new people um, that are going through similar journeys, the deconstructionnetwork.com. Um, And finally, I do everything I do for free. So if you'd like to support me, if you'd like to help me pay my rent, my bills, um, you can head over to phildrysdale.com slash partner or search my name, Phil Drysdale, on Patreon. Um, And as a thank you, you get access to a private discussion group. Um, We have monthly Zoom calls and there's a few other perks as well. Um, But the biggest thing is it it helps me do this for free, putting out these, um, these podcasts a couple of times a week, putting out other resources, chatting with people day in, day out. Um, it means a great deal to to me um, that some people want to support me and, and, and facilitate me doing that full time. And I know it means a great deal to the many people that I get to chat to and help um, through these different resources and conversations. And so thank you if that's you. As always, if you're not in a place to give, there is zero pressure. I'm still here. I'd still love to chat with you. Come find me on Instagram. It's just Phil Drysdale. I'm always up for a chat and um, to hear some of your story and maybe help you on your journey. Um, All right, that's enough for now. I'll see you next week for Rachel Alba.